Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. I'm calling it. I think he's a Yankee. I think Yachty winds up signing with the Yankees. I think this makes a lot of sense. It didn't make a ton of sense because they had those two guys. But Brian Cashman back in October, when he was asked about a potential Gary Sanchez trade, he goes, it's fair to it's fair to ask that question. What GM says that? Unless, unless he's really interested in potentially moving on. That was Anthony Stalter yesterday on the fast lane. He got the news. The New York Post is officially reporting that the Yankees are listening to trade offers for their catcher, Gary Sanchez. Now, Jamie, this is where things get interesting for the Cardinals. If they're listening to offers on Sanchez, that suddenly means there's an actual opening at starting catcher for the Yankees. They are a contender. They have money. Yachty wants both of those things in his next contract. There have been reports that they are interested in having Yachty or Molina. We had Nick Swisher on our show, who is a consultant, at least for the Yankees. And he said, hey, one thing we learned last year, got to have a defensive catcher. Yachty or Molina, for any faults that you may believe that there are at his point at this point in his career, he's a hell of a defensive catcher. I think Anthony Stalter is right. At this point in time, I think it is more likely than not that Yadier Molina ends up in New York. Calm down, Michael. Calm down. Let me throw another wrench in this one for you. The Cardinals are going to trade for Gary Sanchez. That's a And going to sign with the Yankees. Hey, let's see if they can just trade Yachty for Sanchez, right? They're going to, uh, yeah, they're going to trade uh, Tyler O'Neill for Gary Sanchez, and then Tyler O'Neill's going to hit 30 bombs for am the I, Yankees. Am I allowed to say it wouldn't be a terrible idea to trade for Gary Sanchez, honestly? I just Depending told on you. what the let's prospect hall would have to be. I don't think it would be that great. Here's the reason I don't think it would be that much is because if that management, it's just like anything else, right? Like if you've already, if anybody's ever mentally already moved on from something, you don't dig your heels in too hard, right? So if the Yankees are saying that Gary Sanchez is available, maybe it's because they've already had some kind of discussion with Yachty and they're just waiting to make the move. So therefore, anything that speeds up the process, probably a bonus. So I just think an offer that's not embarrassing might get it done. Well, let me ask you guys this then. If Gary Sanchez, as BK said, isn't a crazy idea for the Cardinals to trade for, do you care about the defense being bad? 
because the biggest gripe of no Yachty in St. Louis is, well, Andrew Kisner's not a good defender. You're losing defense. But if you're going to lose Yachty anyways... Right, I'm like, saying it's a genius idea because you're bringing in possibly 30 home runs a season if he can continue that trend here. I think you split time at catcher between him and Kisner. You don't have to bring in this 37-year-old veteran who breaks his foot and hits 100 hey, and start. Hey. I'm not talking about anybody Jamie in particular, <laughs> but I'm just saying like if we... they decided to do that, Gary Sanchez is 27 years old. He's a power hitter. He can spend some time at DH. He's supposed to make about five, five and a half million you can dollars. Have him this and Kiss year. in the same game. What? I, I, what? It's not a terribly expensive player. There's still upside here. I wouldn't be totally opposed if this is the like move, quote unquote, to improve them. I I don't think they I think they could do a lot worse. I'll say that much. And there's still another year on his contract where at worst, maybe he's a trade piece for you next year as well. I think it's the best decision you could do right now for an offseason where you're trying to cut costs. Look, you're going to lose Yachty. If you're going to lose Yachty, why not upgrade, pay $5 million? The Yankees want pitching. Yankees got position players galore. They want pitching. You give up a Thompson, a Levator, somewhere in that range. I wouldn't give up that. I'm just, they they might demand it. I don't think it takes that much to get it done. I really don't. He's a 30 home run guy, though. I understand that, but they're already wanting to move on to Yachty. And I'm telling you, there is value in what I'm saying. That I think a deal that's not embarrassing, a deal that kind of makes you go, oh, okay, you know. That kind of a deal will get it done. I don't think I don't think the Yankees give that up just for something that you say, oh, okay. Otherwise, they get stuck holding the bag. You Alex. guys give up like Oviedo. Oviedo's a pretty decent prospect. Uh, he's yeah. double A, triple A. I'd probably give up a guy like that. Maybe a low A or high A guy that has upside as well. I think well. that's an easy trade decision, but I just don't see the Yankees saying, ah, yeah, we'll give up Gary. Look, Sanchez may not be a catcher for him, but he could still be the DH for him. They've got too many guys that play DH though, mm-hmm. you know? And so that this is where they're kind of stuck right now, and I think this is why he's on the block to begin with. I'm with you, Alex. It might not be as cheap as I'm talking about you might be right but if it's going to cost you a libertor well then i think there's other options at dh that i would rather do uh, right now if i'm that. the cardinals and i'm and i'm flipping libertor i'm gonna make real sure that it's a good player because otherwise randy a for libertor already yep. looks bad just now imagine if libertor goes on to be some stud pitcher and you got a guy that you've had for a year and then parted ways with here's the thing for gary sanchez too though i mean you're getting a guy who's what 27 you said Mm-hmm. BK, this is a guy who's hit 30 home runs in a season for you. He doesn't have to be the catcher of the future. You have Yvonne Herrera coming up. Sanchez could be a first baseman down the road when five years from now in 2024, we talked about Paul Goldschmidt's 36. He could be a DH. I mean, this could be a weapon for you. This could be one of those bats that we've talked about that if you want to upgrade and make be a contender next year, here's how you do it. So 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Guys, I like this one. You know I'm going to like this one from the 618. Hey, boys, how about Carlos for Sanchez? (laughs) Heard worse ideas. I'd do that in a heartbeat. Would the Yankees do that? Well, I don't know. Doubt it. I guess maybe they would ask Yachty. I wonder if you could do like Carlos plus Oviedo for Sanchez because oh. really Carlos is a and salary Austin dump. Dean. 
Hey, hey let's not get we wild. We need that bat. <laughs> Carlos would be a salary dump because at that point, you're saying you're saving $12.5 million from his salary. So basically, you're saving seven by going from Carlos to Sanchez, going from a $12 million salary to a $5 million salary. Maybe you could repurpose that $7 million elsewhere. Maybe that's where you're able to bring back Wayno with that $7 million. Mm, you, now you've got I like that. Wayno and Sanchez close for to Carlos. I, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they would be asking for. I have no idea. I just, we've kind of moved off of the initial. Uh, we just got so excited. Here. Yeah, we got so excited. I say, we don't even carry Yachty to the Yankees. It's well, give us the I've other one. I've already figured that Yachty's leaving. So if that's the case, I mean, we got to find the replacement. So I do find that to be really interesting, actually, because I think this is best case scenario. I know it's going to stink to watch Yachty in a Yankees uniform. Here's why I think that it could be best case scenario for the Cardinals. If he goes to New York, it's a very easy sell for Mo. It's a very easy sell for this fan base. Well, they probably offered him more money than the Cardinals were willing to. They're definitely a bigger contender than the Cardinals are likely to be next season. And if you're Yachty, it also potentially helps your Hall of Fame resume to go up there and play in front of the New York media for a year or two. So there's a lot of reasons that could be easily explained to this fan base as to why this move was made now. I think the same could be true for Wayno if he decided to go to Atlanta. Atlanta might be able to offer him more money. They are definitely a contender going into this upcoming season. And if you're the Cardinals, you, you can say we wanted to see our young pitchers. And there's actually real young pitchers to point to if they decide to go that route. Those are probably the two best case scenarios for the Cardinals. And then they could repurpose that money like we were just talking about with Gary Sanchez to be able to go pick up players elsewhere as well. I mean, I'm okay with it. I, honestly, I mean, at this point, like I just said earlier, I, I've wrapped my brain around the fact that I think Yachty is going to move on. And like yesterday, I said, I think it goes with winning first for him, money second, legacy third. But legacy jumps from third to second quickly if he goes to the Yankees. Think about that. Well, it's, it's combined with the winning, yeah. right? They, they become one and the same at that point. And we're in the pinstripes. Talk about a legacy. I think it makes sense for the Cardinals, too. Like you said, BK, I mean, I really think this is the best case scenario for the Cardinals in terms of, look, it hasn't worked. You haven't been competitive. You're making this transition. You're cutting salary. You might have to rip the Band-Aid off for this upcoming season and move on from these two future Cardinal Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famer for Yachty, and say, okay, one of you young players, Flaherty, DeYoung, whoever it's going to be, now it's your time to be the captain of this team. Now it's your team. Transition this to a winning team. And you have the money to go out there and bring in somebody like a Gary Sanchez or next year, like a Lindor, which seems like a pipe dream. But I think it might be time to rip the Band-Aid off for the Cardinals and start transitioning to a new core. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 573. Guys, they're going to have to apologize to at least half of the fan base if they let Molina and Wayno walk. Might be true. But Why? What if it's Yachty's decision yeah. ultimately? Like, here's the thing is the fan base can be angry. But is it the team or Yachty or Molina that they're mad at? Because if Yachty says, I'm getting uh, $2 million more to go play for the Yankees, 
Well, is it John Mozeliak's fault then? Is he supposed to outbid the Yankees and, and overpay? I think the tough part would be if Yachty in his opening press conference says, I want to win a title, and I felt like this was the best place for me to do so. Well, he's certainly again, he, but how is that John Mozeliak's yeah, fault? Why do the Cardinals because, have to apologize for that? Because the Cardinals were the team that couldn't put together a contender or wouldn't put together the contender. I don't know if that's and, an apology from the Cardinals, though. Yeah. I think it's just a, a, the latest like signal. Like if they were tanking, like if they were like blowing it up and tanking like we've talked about, then I could see then the fan base being really pissed. I think this is almost worse in some ways because you're stuck in the middle and the Cardinals fan base has been talking about this for so long that you are stuck in the middle. And now one of the greatest Cardinals, maybe the greatest Cardinal of the last 20 years, is publicly acknowledging that the Cardinals are stuck in the middle while other teams around them are taking that step forward. We all know that. We can see it. We've watched it happen in real time. But to watch your leader, the guy that has bled Cardinal uh, blood for the last 15 years to watch that guy publicly state it, I think that would be tough. See, but I think it's the best thing for the Cardinals, at least from the fan base perspective. This puts more pressure on the Cardinals front office staff to have to put together a winner. I mean, you just lost a Cardinals legend who's going to forever be a Cardinals legend. One yeah. year in New York doesn't make a difference. But if that legend goes elsewhere and says, look, I just I want another shot at a championship and I just didn't feel like the Cardinals could do it. I don't know if that's an apology from the Cardinals. I think that's a Cardinals front office that has to say, OK, now the spotlight's on us to turn this around. It is. And last night was another spotlight put on them. It's 1113. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The last time that the Cardinals had a top 10 MVP candidate, Jamie was in 2018. It's the only time that they've had one since 2016. Last night, put a little bit of pressure on the Cardinals once again. I'll tell you how. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Huge congratulations to Freddie Freeman for winning the National League MVP. Congrats to the Braves for having two top five finishers in the MVP. Marcelo Zuna oh, also Zuna. right up there with him. The well, Dodgers, they got the guy that finished second in MVP and also had a guy who finished ninth. Huge congrats to them. Sure bet on that one. Well, that's the, cute. The Padres had a couple top four finishes with Machado and Tatis. The Nationals had two guys in the top ten with Turner and Juan Soto. Cardinals had a guy get a vote. That was nice. Paul the Goldschmidt. Best is yet to come. Paul Goldschmidt had three votes in the MVP award hey, race. Hey. There we go. None were higher than seventh. Where's OJ on that one? No, he's not on that one. It was the Damn. latest reminder of the gap between the Cardinals <laughs> and the actual contenders in the National League. The Braves, Dodgers, Padres, those are the teams that really had any sort of a shot to actually come out of the National League this year. They all had multiple guys finish in the top 10 in the MVP race. The Cardinals have had one player finish in the top 10 in the MVP race in the last six seasons. Damn. That was Matt Carpenter in 2018. Guys, RBI we, machine, Matt Carpenter. Absolutely. You. When we talk about him long term after that, when we talk about the Cardinals adding this big time bat, this is why we talk about it so often. And I understand for our audience, it very well may sound like a broken record when we bring up Francisco Lindor or Nolan Arenado or Carlos Correa or Trevor Store, any of these guys. And I get that. And I I wish we didn't have to talk about it as much as we do. But this is why 
we continue to talk about it. Because when you see a night like last night where you have the awards and you have the National League MVP officially given out and you see the teams where these players play, well, you see the gap between the Cardinals and these teams. I look at the rest of the rosters and I'm like, eh, other than the Dodgers, the Cardinals have the depth that a lot of these teams have. They have really good pitching. They have solid defense. What they're missing is these guys. They're missing their Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zuna. They're missing their Betts in Seager. They're missing their Machado in Tatis. They're missing their Turner in Soto. And so, Jamie, I, I just I don't know how you can see it any more clearly than what we saw last night on awards night once again. Yeah, I get your point on this 100%. And I think it's even more frustrating again to see a guy like Ozuna's name back in the mix for getting MVP votes. Um but I look at it another way, too, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, is if the Cardinals are without all these guys, you know, these partners and these fantastic players, what what do we say then to the fact that the Cardinals have still been able to have success? Now, success in air quotes. What is success, right? Well, they made the playoffs. They went to the NLCS last year. They don't have an MVP on their team. So what does that tell us about the Cardinals? Are, are we wrong, maybe? Are what no. they're doing kind of right? It's what I've been saying for years now. The Cardinals are the best team in baseball at producing quality players, like average major leaguers. And this is why I do have a little bit of concern when we have all of these guests on and they're like, hey, look at the 300 players are going to hit the free agent market and there's going to be so many solid players that you can get for cheap. Yeah, but the Cardinals already have all of those guys. Like Tyler O'Neill is the same guy as a lot of these players that are going to be available out there on the market this offseason that are get the one year, one million dollar t- deal that these teams are going to convince themselves. Oh, that, that guy's intriguing. Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neal. Jock Peterson. Yeah. I mean, everyone wants Jock Peterson. He is Tyler O'Neill. We've got those guys here in St. Louis. The problem is you don't have a Seager. You don't have a Mookie. You don't have a Freddie Freeman. You don't have a Machado or a Tatis or a Turner or a Soto. These are the guys they're missing, and they're available every mar- every offseason. They're available this offseason. The Cardinals don't shop in that market, though, and you've got to find a way to go acquire that guy or find a way to develop that guy. There's a few different ways that you can go about getting this player, but the Cardinals haven't got them, Jamie. And so you're right. The Cardinals absolutely deserve a ton of credit for the success that they've had over the last 20 years, really not even just the last five, but especially over the last five to six, when they haven't been in this kind of a market with MVPs littered on their team. The problem is eventually you've got to have that guy to be able to win at the highest of levels, in my opinion. And that's kind of where kind of where I go with it too, is after asking you um, about, you know, how, how the Cardinals doing so well without an MVP guy, I guess where I go next is, can you imagine like if I'm John Mosellock, I sit there at my desk and go, hmm, we've done pretty good without an MVP type guy. Yes, Paul Goldschmidt is fantastic. And look, he he got some votes and that's why he got some votes, because he's had a fantastic season for the Cardinals. But I got to sit there and I got to imagine what could my team look like if I added just one of these guys? Look Completely at the look it. at the Washington Nationals, guys. I mean, you said uh, Juan Soto and, and Trey Turner. They're two MVP candidates that were in the running if you put the Cardinals roster to the Nationals roster, other than Juan Soto, they're very similar. Like, you take Juan Soto out of the picture, Paul DeYoung can be a Trey Turner if he has success sustained throughout 160. I don't 160. Know if I agree with that, but go his, ahead. His power's there, though. The batting average for Trey Turner, but Trey Turner's not the power hitter that Paul DeYoung is. So they're kind of offsetting each other. 
But the pitching staff, I would put the five guys in a rotation of a healthy Cardinals rotation against the Nationals rotation any day of the week. I get it, Strasburg and Scherzer, but Dakota Hudson and Jack Flaherty at their best can compete with those guys. The bullpen for the Cardinals is better than the Nationals bullpen. Definitely. The depth is better of the Cardinals than the Nationals depth. You put the Cardinals in that division, they're competing with the Nationals every season. Put an MVP in there, like a Juan Soto, you're talking about very similar, if not the same team. Yeah, I mean, you look at how the Nationals won the World Series. It was behind pitching and defense, and then they had three guys that were just unbelievable. Howie Kendrick. Them. And, and Howie Kendrick as well. But, I mean, it, there, there was a reason why they won that World Series, and it was because their superstars played like superstars throughout the postseason. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you look at Rendon and what he was able to do. He was tremendous and got $100 million as a result of that. Juan Soto's one of the best young players in all of baseball. Trey Turner is a really, really good young player as well. They have that top end talent that the Cardinals just don't have. And so I get I get where you're coming from on this Ferrario. But the difference between the Nationals and the Cardinals is that the Nationals are in an easier spot to compete, especially right now. I would take like if you told me you're a general manager and this offseason you can pick you either become the guy that is in charge of the Nationals or the guy that is in charge of the Cardinals and forget payroll, forget all of that stuff. I would take the Nationals job in a second because they already have the stars. I can go out in the market right now and find all of the depth and add it to my team that the Cardinals currently have. And I can get it for super cheap this offseason, maybe more so than ever before. The Cardinals, meanwhile, my job is to find the next Trey Turner, to find the next Juan Soto. And I can't get that given my current situation with the money. And so I would I would much rather have that Washington Nationals job because they already have those players in place. And that's the hardest thing to add unless you're willing to go out there and actually spend on it. Well, and I think that's where everything comes to a head is right there. Unless you're actually willing to go out there and spend. And, you know, look, the text line blows up every day with we've heard this last year. We heard this five years ago, though. You might as well just be the same show as 10 years ago. The Cardinals are not going to go out and spend well, look, they went and got Paul Goldschmidt, and they re-upped him immediately, gave him a pretty healthy contract, and he's been a heck of a player. I think people forget about Paul Goldschmidt sometimes because he's just so quiet and does his job. If he was a bigger personality, I think people in St. Louis would feel like they have a bigger star on their hands, even though statistically Paul Goldschmidt is one of the best in the league. Now, that being said, yeah, there's frustration. When you have ownership that is at the top of the game every year as far as the attendance or the the organization rather attendance and they have all of these things that are attached to the ball club downtown nobody knows how much they're related to one another whatever I don't care the point is is they have an ownership group that has been successful and have I don't say deep pockets but we're getting there it's close I think that's where the frustration lies for the fans is you see these players out there. You and you, Alex and BK, you talk about how close the Cardinals are, how great the depth is, and the fan, the casual fan, me, I'm sitting at the end of the bar going, Jesus, spend the money. <laughs> yeah. Just go get the one guy. We're one guy away. How hard is that? Pick up the phone. And people are hard to believe that it is only one guy because they see and they say on the text line that this is just an average ball team. 
but you don't understand what one player who is an MVP-like player can do to an entire ball club. It takes pressure off of Paul DeYoung. It takes pressure off of Paul Goldschmidt, Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson. All these guys who are playing average are trying to be above average. Unfortunately, they can't be. You put a MVP player in the middle of that batting order, everyone else knows that they can do the role. It's what Curves was with us talking about. When you have somebody who knows what their role has to be every game for an entire season, you can go out and perform to that ability. But when you're trying to be a 30 home run hitter, when you're only a 20 home run hitter, you're overdoing it. I think this texture from the 618 kind of sums it up what we're talking about here. It basically all continues to come back to the Cardinals need to trade for Francisco Lindor. <laughs> it, it kind of is that simple. Like what we're all saying here is essentially they need that guy. Uh, let's put it in a finer point here. What was the what was the narrative about Clayton Kershaw going into this postseason? Can't win in the postseason. Can't win the big game. Can't close it he, out. He was a loser, right? He's a playoff loser. We're back to this again. Oh my God. Jeez. Our buddy on Twitter is going to be like, yeah. Yeah. There's 21 followers need that, to know. Yeah. That, was, that was the narrative surrounding him. People. He didn't become suddenly a great postseason pitcher this year. He was perfectly fine, perfectly adequate. The difference is his team added Mookie Betts. Like they added Mookie Betts and then they won the World Series as a result. Now they were already a very good team. Like a great arguably, team. they may have won it anyways without him. Well, this year. I don't know if they would have won it this year without Mookie. But I, I think they they had they had plenty of teams that were going to be competitive with them along the along the way. Mookie was the thing that put them over the top yeah. that nobody was going to beat well, them because I'm they not going to disagree with that since they won the World yeah. Series. Well, I agree with that too. I also think that they learned from their mistakes. Like. Three years ago, they leave Clayton Kershaw in as long as they can to milk whatever they have out of them. Now it feels like they learned their mistakes to get the guy out so they have depth and they can kind of cash in on it. I just don't think that he changed all that much as a pitcher. I, in fact, I would say that he's probably worse today than he was two, three, four, five years ago. The I difference is the team around him is better. And so what is what needs to change for the Cardinals to get over the hump? They need to add one elite level player. They need their version of Mookie Betts. It's just easier to say that than it is for them to actually go out and do it. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line from the 618. Of course, BK knows what a loser is because he is one. Fair enough, sir. Let's dive into some NFL quick Not hitters. nice on a Friday. <laughs> including Titan. Are they really smoking mirrors? Because Jamie's been saying this all year long. I've been trying to resist. We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. So are they smoking mirrors or not? Are they or are they not? I've been telling you, BK. So last night, first of all, I picked the Colts. I hope you guys did as well. Yeah. Colts nope, versus nope. Titans. Nope. You seriously picked the Titans. I picked I, the Titans why, too. This is why last night I was drowning my sorrows in, well, red wine. So the Colts win 34 to 17 looked like the dominant team going up against uh, the Tennessee Titans and the Titans just looks terrible. Frankly, they didn't really get their running game going the way that they typically do. Brian Tannehill looked mediocre at best. AJ Brown was seemingly not even involved in the game plan. They couldn't get off the field once again, defensively. Uh, it seemed like every time that I looked up, the Colts were going for another fourth down and they end up kind of running away with this thing. So, Jamie's big thing all season long is the Titans are smoking mirrors. They are mm -hmm. not a real contender. Everything we're seeing is fake. Mm -hmm. 
How do you guys feel after last night about that team? Okay, let me tell you how I feel about this, okay? Uh-oh. Is this is the same as the DM49ers last the dump year? Not loaded. For me, okay? I'm telling you right now, last year I I bet against the 49ers, they'd win. I was calling them smoking mirrors, then I'd bet with the 49ers and they'd lose. It's just that Tennessee this year is that team for me that no matter what they're going to screw me over in the pick'em challenge. Now, I've said all year, I think they're smoking mirrors. And as we go along here, the the experts who actually know what they're talking about, they've been breaking down how they're really susceptible to the passing game, that they do not have a good, what is it, defensive backfield, Mm -hmm. and, and they're getting picked apart. We saw that again last night. They get picked apart. And Ryan Tannehill, yeah, he's had some great moments, but where was he last night? And some of the guys, there's a lot of mental errors made by that team. And we're seeing they started out, they're way ahead of everybody in that division. And now the Colts are 6-3 and three with them. And the biggest question going into last night's game was, well, can the Colts beat anybody that's really good? Because they've had a bit of a weaker schedule. Well, they beat the Titans last night. Now, is Titan, are the Titans a better team? I don't know. I, guys, I'm honestly, all jokes aside, I'm so on the fence with this team. I personally think they are smoke and mirrors that they're not really a good team. There's one difference between them and the 49ers last year. I mean, it's a pretty significant difference. 49ers went 13 and three and they had a plus 169 point differential, which the was the third best Did in the league. Did they win the championship? <laughs> no, they no, didn't. They were very close. They got, there. Mirrors. they got there. The Titans this year are six and three and they've won those six games. Their point differential is plus 14 on the season. So uh, the 49ers were legitimate good last year okay, even though I never bought into in them the right now the okay? Titans I still don't know if they're actually good or not you know I've been on this train the entire time saying that I still believe that this is a good team oh, yeah, you had everybody win the MVP from them. you know for a while I felt like it I think last night was the first time I saw this team and I'm like oh the glass just shattered they really are smoking mirrors now here's the thing though I think the offense is still really good the defense is a problem. Yes. And special teams screwed that Ooh. team last night. Like, let's be honest here. Your punter whiffed on one punt and then got the other punt blocked, which I don't know if I blame it all on him. The defensive lineman or the offensive lineman let him it's just. It's kind of tough to blame the punter right. unless he takes forever to kick. So, I mean, you take those. And they missed a field goal as yeah, well. Yeah. You take those two possessions Stellar. away. You're talking about the Titans still being in this. And I think the Titans' offense felt rushed because. Their defensive unit and their special teams unit are kind of screwing them over. So I'm still on the track of I still think Ryan Tannehill is a is a I don't want to say an elite quarterback because he's not an elite quarterback, but he is a above average quarterback right now in that conference. Derrick Henry is still an elite running back and can I feel win. like when he feels like it, he is. No, but they couldn't use Does him it- last night when they needed him. Because they had to rush the clock. They're down by three possessions. But I'm just saying, I feel like Derrick Henry, like he shows up. He's like a Russian goal scorer back in the day in the 90s. <laughs> like they show up when they feel like it. Like he's once, a front runner. Once he, every he, few games. I'm not done talking about this yet. Once every few games, Derrick Henry decides I'm going to play and goes out and has a monster game. And then he kind of disappears. And you're like, well, what happened to Derrick Henry? Well, they were rushed this, that, the other. Well, he also lost his best left tackle, too. Well, he is the size of a left tackle. Get busy, Derrick Henry. <laughs> Derrick Henry is the same thing as Lamar Jackson. Those guys are really, really good when they're winning because you can, Thank game you. script wise, you can run more often. 
So you're just you're ahead. You start running the ball to bleed out the clock and those guys get more opportunities to run and they're in a good situation. And so, boom, now he ends up with 25 carries for 200 yards and has that 170 yard one that he breaks off. And it looks amazing. Same thing is true for Lamar. But once he has to start throwing, well, things look a little different when he's trying to come from behind than they do whenever he's playing from ahead. And you've got more questions as to, is he going to throw here? Is it going to be play, play action? Is he going to hand it off? Is it an RPO? There's a lot more questions about Lamar when they're playing from ahead. When they're playing from behind, you kind of know what's coming your way. It's the same thing for the Titans. I think what I learned last night, and maybe I should have known this already. I think there's two teams to me that are ahead of the pack in the NFL right now. I think it's the Chiefs and it's the Steelers. And I think all of these other teams that we're talking about that we always go back and forth about, I think they're all basically the same. They have different Achilles heels. They have different reasons why they are on that second tier, but they're all pretty much the same. That would be the Bills. It includes the Dolphins. It's the Ravens, the Colts, the Titans, the Raiders. Uh, in some ways, the Packers, Saints, Bucks, Seahawks, Cardinals, Rams, they're all kind of in that same tier to me of any given week. I wouldn't be surprised if any of them lose to any of the other teams in that same tier. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I do think there's a log jam in the middle of the pack, just like you said. Now, if I'm going to go back to the AFC South now, seeing what we saw last night and b- both the Colts and the Titans are tied now in the standings. Mm-hmm. What do you guys who do you guys have winning that division now? I think Did it you- change your feelings at all? Between the division last night that we saw in action? Between the Colts and the Titans, because a couple of weeks ago, we, I think, unanimously, maybe I was pushing back probably a little bit, but we probably agreed that the Titans would win that division, and then the Colts would find a way into the playoffs. Well, now the Colts are tied for the lead in the division. Have we changed our minds? Do we think that now the sprint to the end of the season that the Colts can win this division? See, I don't know about you, BK, but I I think the same about the Colts that I do the Titans. I think there are areas of the Colts that are smoke and mirror. Like their defense is superb. We saw it last night, but their offense is smoke and mirrors. Like their their backfield is a joke right now. Nobody can hold on to the ball. Naheem Hines is good one week and then terrible another. They have no passing game. Phillip Rivers is up and down. They're smoke and mirrors. So I think that's going to be a dog race to the end. I do too. I think it'll come down to the schedule. And as I kind of look at it, they're, they're pretty similar. Pretty similar. And they got one more head to head. If if the Col- if the Colts win that next head to head, they, in my opinion, will win the division because then they're effectively going to have an extra half game up in the division lead because they've got the two game lead head to head against the Titans. So I think it's probably going to come down to that. And then basically it comes down to can the Colts win one of their games against the Packers or the Steelers and then the Titans and those same kind of matchups have the Ravens and the Packers. So it'll come down to those big key matchups in those four games. And then the head to head between the two. I don't feel a significantly better about one team or the other. I think, like I said, I think they're all kind of the same right now. I feel the same way about them that I do about the um, the Dolphins yeah. in the AFC. Feel the same way about the Ravens in the AFC. It really is to me the Chiefs and the Steelers, and then kind of that next tier. I would, I will say, this is going to set up for an awesome postseason. An awesome postseason because I could see any of those teams mm-hmm. coming out with a with a win in that wild card weekend. Because everyone is so similar right now when you're going into that that you I mean honestly it, it's it's kind of like what last year's was in the wild card like there are teams so close to each other that you're not sure it's a crapshoot to find out who wins it. And there's some really good there's some really good potential headlines as well. Tua 
making his first uh, postseason appearance. You're going to see Lamar in the playoffs again. And if he doesn't win this year, we're getting pretty close to the pressure officially being on Lamar Jackson, uh, talking about him potentially not being able to win in the postseason. That's that's coming if they don't win in the postseason this year. I'd say he's a loser. <laughs> he's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. You said it, not me. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Questions and answers coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. This one comes from the 314. Guys, did you see yesterday it was announced that the weekend going to be your Super Bowl halftime show this year. What'd you think? Saturday and Sunday? <laughs> God, that was such a dad thing to say. <laughs> that was such a dad or thing. Or is it a long weekend? We have Friday, too. So the tough part is, Ferrario, I should have seen that coming. You should have, man. And for some reason, I didn't. What is it? Like I didn't months see together, the three of us. I saw that coming. <laughs> Careful with that. Um, so, the weekend is the headliner at the Super Bowl. Have you heard of their work? His work. His work. Yeah. Their work. I, I like a couple of his songs. Uh, name one of their songs. Oh, I don't know because I can't. It, but it's uh, him and Justin Bieber do one yeah. together, and then let, re, let, let what's the new one he's got out there? I hear it all the time. I don't know the song names. I just know that I like to listen yeah. to them. I know I'm terrible with songs. You just really like the weekend. Yeah. Okay, I like three of his songs. So, but does it, does that make him a headliner at the Super Bowl? I think there's how are they even going to do this? I have no idea. <laughs> like, is he just going to perform at home and they're going to put on the big screen? Wasn't it J-Lo last year? J-Lo yeah, and it was the Miami player. So how do you go from Justin Timberlake terrible, by the way. to J-Lo oh and Shakira? Really? I liked it. I oh was joking, young man. I was say, come okay. on now. Jesus. I still have a DVR. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I still Maybe. have it on the DVR. <laughs> Maybe this is just me, but I, like you go from Timberlake to J-Lo and Shakira to The Weeknd. I don't know. That seems like it's kind of going down in my book. Yeah, 100%. I don't know. I, it's it's always going to be going downhill from Beyonce, but Bruno Mars was great as well. Bruno and Timberlake were the top echelon. Bruno, Bruno was a tremendous halftime performer. Listen, you've had some really big names, and I know The Weeknd, I guess, yeah, he's a big name, but I don't feel like his body of work is that of a Super Bowl headliner. Like, not sustained like, long enough. That's you know what, what I mean? I, I agree the exact same thing. So that's my thoughts. I, I like his stuff, and I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm not going to turn it off, but it's not going to make me go, ooh, 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 everybody quiet. The other gonna... thing is, uh, when you're, by the ooh. way, it's Blinding Lights. That's the that's name of the his song one. right See? now. No, yes. The that's tough line. part Bright for lights. the NFL is no... <laughs> Sorry. No matter who they pick, you're going to have a really hard time making everybody like it because you're going to have one group that would rather you go with rock, one group that would rather you go with the pop. I just think they should go with Cardi B and let's get WAP. Okay. You had that planned since last night when you put that on the rundown. You wrote that down. The worst part is that that's Mm. actually thought out and scripted. Yes, you had that written down. Do you feel any shame at all right now for (laughs) that? I have no shame. I feel like by now you should know that about me. I actually was about to contribute to it. I was about to talk about how they could do this and that. And then you drop the WAP. That's what she said. said. (laughs) 65780 (laughs) is the Air Comfort Service text line uh, for questions and answers from the 469. You guys don't like The weekend? You prefer Lady Gaga? I do love me some Lady Gaga. I like Wednesdays. (laughs) 
I, I do love me some Lady Gaga. Sometimes I don't know why I even ask the questions that I ask. Uh, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line from the 314. Guys, did you see what Lamar Jackson had to say the other day? People are really guessing their plays before they're even running them. What's going on in Baltimore? <laughs> I can guess them from home. Does, does Lamar not realize that that's how defenses do their homework? They watch video and formations and they watch your audibles and who goes like dude welcome to the nfl like dan orlovsky had a great segment this morning because they had been battling back and forth all week on on get up and dan orlovsky showed the same formation in the same play that they ran like five times in a row and he's like yeah they know what you're doing is it that much like does he not get that Uh, apparently not first of all maybe uh, that's all maybe it's all coming to me now Second of all, this was always my big concern about him. I came into the season and a lot of our audience was very mad at me saying, BK, why are you so low on Lamar Jackson? Because I would always say I would take Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson over him. This is why, because Lamar's a really good player and I'm not taking anything away from him. I think he's still a top 10 quarterback or so, but He has limitations. He does. (laughs) And he's not a great passer. And when you get into game scripts where he has to come from behind, well, suddenly this is what the results are. This is what it looks like when he's in those situations. Last year was the perfect situation for him. They were always ahead. They had a tremendous defense that forced a ton of turnovers. And he was able to take advantage. And by the way, like you're saying, Jamie, the league hadn't seen that offense before Mm. last year. They have adjusted, and now it's up to him to be able to adjust back to the league. I think he can, but it's going to be up to him to actually make those adjustments now. So I'm going to point the finger at a few people in this one, okay? Uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson, of course. he's the he, Unfortunately, he's the front man of this band, right? Because he's the one you see. But where's the offensive coordinator on this? Where's the head coach? Why are they not giving Lamar Jackson the ability to call an audible? Why are they not showing him in, in video or practice where to call an audible, what your next formation can be when you see them guessing it every time. He's got to be able to execute it. So I, like, when you run, a, when you do a run play, that's the same play four times. It's, how much is he executing here? Let me hand you the ball. This is their offense. And well, that's why I said you got to point the finger at the offensive coordinator and the head coach. And if Lamar's sitting there going, yo, 53 knows what we're doing. You got to call something different at that point. Then he's got to he's got to adjust. And some of but it is, is on their OC. To? I don't know, but some of it is but on I their want OC. Answers, BK. I've this s- is questions and answers, and you've provided me none. I've seen John Harbaugh be an elite head coach. I think that he is that still. I'm not going to blame him for this. I got to point the finger at the quarterback that's not very good at throwing the football. Well, if you were better at throwing the football, I would have more confidence in you being able to run other plays. Was it was he was an elite head coach with a different quarterback, though? Like he was an, he elite, was an elite head coach last year with this heck quarterback. He won it with Joe Flacco. Yeah, but it's a different quarterback. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure John Harbaugh's an elite head coach, and I don't have a whole don't lot of questions about that. I'm also pretty sure Lamar Jackson's a good quarterback. They're going to adjust. It's going to take some time, and we'll, we'll see what it looks like whenever they do. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 417. Guys, if Jim Harbaugh ends up getting fired at Michigan, would you like to see him get another shot in the NFL? Oh, man. Bring the cargo pants back, baby. I just don't know if his 
shtick, we'll call it, flies anymore in the NFL. Like, I think it flies at college because he's got a big name. He's had some success. And, you know, the kids kind of are, are looking up to him and slightly, I don't want to say intimidated, but maybe that, you know. The NFL, they're going to look at some of the stuff he does and be like, dude, come on, man. Like, I'm, I'm not 18. I'm not 19. I just, I think there's so much more inspired hires as options out there, even from the college game. If you're a team that needs a head coach this offseason in the NFL, I would go to Oklahoma, ask Lincoln Riley what he wants, and give him whatever he wants. I would go to Ohio State, talk to Ryan Day, and say, what do you want? And give him whatever he wants. There's other guys around college football that I just think are much better hires than Jim Harbaugh. I know he has the name. I know what he did in San Francisco. I think you're right, Jamie. I think there's a little bit of a time limit on what he's able to do in the league, though. Heck, I think I'd do Davo Sweeney before I would do Harbaugh. Oh, I disagree, too. Both of those guys would not even be on my list. Davo Sweeney is a total college coach. I'd do Sweeney before I would do Harbaugh again. I'm again. I'm I'm going back and forth on this because I think both would be not great hires. I think I'm probably with you, though, Ferrario. I think I'm probably with you. I don't even know what's happening anymore. By the way, there was a list from sports uh, of Yahoo Sports yesterday on the top college coaches that are candidates in the NFL. They included David Shaw from Stanford, Matt Campbell from Iowa State, James Franklin from Penn State, who I would probably give a call. Dan Mullen, the joke that is Dan Mullen from Florida. Oh, Uh, God. Darth Vader. What? Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. Oh, that's your guy, right? No. Okay. It's his cousin. PJ Fleck from Minnesota. I've heard that name. I don't know if his shtick would work out very well in the league. either. I think he's a college coach. And then the last one on this list is Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. That's fickle. Be careful there. He worked with Mike Rabel. He'd actually be an interesting hire as well. So those those are some of the names maybe to keep an eye on um, for the NFL. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line from the 573 BK. I thought the signal was supposed to be fixed on Wednesday. What's up with it? I still got static. Man, that is way above my pay, pay grade. I have no idea. because we're electric. <laughs> Coming up next, are the Cardinals too reliant on their own history? At least one Cardinals beat rider brought up that possibility. We'll let you hear what he had to say about it next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. So I was listening to Derek Gould's podcast the other day, best cup podcast in baseball, really good show that he did. And he was talking about the Cardinals off season and kind of looking forward to what is this going to look like for the team? What are they going to do? What do they need to do? And I thought he brought up a really interesting point, Jamie, about the Cardinals relying on their history more than they rely on the team that you are watching in any given year. Here's what he had to say about that. You know, if they get to the NLCS or if they win a pennant or they get to the World Series in 2022, then fans will talk glowingly about the 2022 season in 2023. Whereas if you have a star or a team that is charismatic or somebody to kind of hook on to – then you have the excitement throughout a season and the destination isn't 
what makes people go look back fondly on a season. It's the star that makes a current season enjoyable. I mean, we have an extreme example of that in Fernando Tatis, right? How much fun did Padres fans have this past season? Think about that for a second. The, the Padres season was never about where, where that ended, right? It was never about, although it would have been great, Padres fans were just thrilled to be able to watch really fun, exciting baseball every night. And it wasn't about the destination. It was about the journey. And I know that sounds super cheesy, but it's true. I think I've heard that before. It's true. The Cardinals was always about the destination. It was always about trying to win. It was never about the night tonight. This is going to be a lot of fun for you to watch. And I think that's kind of the difference that we're seeing among some of these teams, especially in the National League. The Braves were fun to watch every night. The Nationals at their peak, whenever they're actually healthy, are really fun to be able to watch. The Dodgers, the Padres, really fun Why teams. are they fun to watch? Because they hit. They because go. they hit and they have young stars. And they've got guys that are really exciting. And this is what's missing for the Cardinals. And so that's kind of Derek Gould's point there is the Cardinals are built to be able to appreciate them in the past. They're built to be able to look back at 2011 and say, holy cow, look at how amazing that team was. And really even more so in recent years, they're built to look back at the 100 win 2015 team and say, oh, my God, that team was really good. But in the moment, as we were watching them, that wasn't a fun team to watch. They did it the same way that this team did with run prevention. And they just won a lot more than this team did with that run prevention. And so I do wonder, is there a way to change that? To be able to, instead of looking back on it historically, to be able to say, okay, we are going to build a team that is fun to watch also in the moment. And if they don't do that, Jamie... Is there going to be a point of diminishing returns for the Cardinals if they continue doing it this way? Well, it's an interesting thought because if you look at and we can judge all we want about the players that they've let go or traded or moved on from. If you look at all those players and even when they were Cardinals, OK, never mind the Tatis juniors where we wanted them to be a Cardinal. I'm not sure how that went. Whatever. Let's ignore that. Let's talk about the guys who are actually here and then were traded or left or whatnot. Those were the exciting guys. Take a look around the league. Almost every person, every player that the Cardinals have moved on from is an exciting type player, whether it is personality, whether it is batting, whatever it may be. So it brings me back to are the Cardinals just not looking for that kind of player? And I think that's the question that, that I have is do they overlook certain players because they don't fit that, well, for lack of better words, that vanilla mold? Do they, do they not keep players because they don't like the the bleeps on the radar going up and down and you're not sure what you're going to get Tommy Pham talking about being stabbed and all this stuff? Like, do they not want that? And that's why they move on. But at the end of the day, to your point, your initial point, the Padres, not one fan of the of the Padres this year, is upset that they lost. Now, one fan was like, I cannot believe they couldn't close the deal. They can't wait to watch them They're again like, next year. I don't year. even care. That was fun. And the, the reason why it was fun was because of Tatis being amazing to watch every night and Machado being so much fun to watch. You've got Eric Cosmer, Will Myers. I mean, we all saw it. We saw it firsthand. I found myself watching those games between the Cardinals and the Padres being like, dang, that is a really fun team to watch over there in San Diego, right? It is. You find yourself drawn into it. But they have a bunch of personalities that, quite honestly, the more I look at the Cardinals over the last 
what, seven, eight years, a bunch of personalities that just don't fit here for whatever reason. I, I mean, if I'm crazy, tell me. I'm okay with that. You're not crazy. I, I think a lot of Cardinals fans would agree with you. And so the, the question then becomes, like, do, is there a point in time, and we couldn't see it this year because there were no fans in the stands. We might not be able to see it next year because there's probably going to be at a minimum limited fans mm-hmm. in the stands. But the Cardinals got hit so hard during the pandemic because they couldn't have fans and they typically would expect 40,000 fans a night. If they continue down this fa- d- down this path and they continue winning 90 games a year or so, getting to the postseason regularly, competing for NL Central titles every year, um, and then getting knocked out in the NLDS or maybe the wild card round every once in a while, maybe once every five years you get to the NLCS, but you're, you're never really in that World Series contention like they haven't been basically since 2013. Is there going to come a point in time if they continue playing this way with this style? Where fans will stop going to the games the same way? No, I don't think so. Because if they don't, well, then what's the incentive for the Cardinals to change? Well, you're right. And here, 65780 Air Comfort Service text line 618 says, hey, boys, Padres fans are also happy because they have a history of losing the past few decades. So let me let me twist the question back to our listeners because we see a lot of texts every day that people are unhappy with what the Cardinals are doing, but they're winning. So are you more happy because, hey, we, we're not losers anymore? Or are you less happy because the Cardinals win all the time, but they're not fun to watch or they don't close the deal? I think that's two different things, right? I think it's two because it's not exciting like we've been talking about. You, every, all the texts today have been, well, this is a group of average players. They're all average players. That's what they have. But a group of average players gives you competition in the division that you play in, which frankly is kind of an average division yeah. in the NL Central. But, I mean, to your point, BK, it's not going to change. People go to baseball games in St. Louis. It's it's a tradition. It's a it's a it's a historical thing. It's a it's a outgoing opportunity. It's not so much you're going to watch the team. You're going to support the team. Yes, but you're going because it's kind of ingrained in our system. And I'm saying this from a Cardinals fan as well. Like, I don't go to the games because I'm like, oh, I want to go see him win. Yeah, it'd be great, but I'm going to games because I want to go get away out of the house for a little bit, or I want to just go, especially after a pandemic. I don't know if people are going to be spending the month as much money as the Cardinals may be asking at the time, but I can damn well guarantee you people are going to be going to Ballpark Village. They're going to spend money to go because they want to get out of the house. Yeah, this is St. Louis. It's what we do, right? You you grow up, and the thing that you do with your friends, with your uh, Little League baseball team, is you go to a Cardinals yep. game on a random Thursday night during the summer, right? Uh, your family, your, your outings over the summer, uh, you go to one baseball game a month or whatever, right? This this is what we do as St. Louis. And so it's as much as a of a communal gathering as it is going to watch the Cardinals. And so I, I, I tend to agree with you, Ferrario. The problem is... That creates very little incentive for the Cardinals to then say, "Okay, we're getting 40,000 fans no matter what the product is that we put out there as long as it's winning and they're winning and they are winning and they're good at it. Um, So why why would we go find all of these players that we're talking about unless they view this as something where they are not getting to the ultimate goal, which is the World Series? And they really, really want it. You you were out in Detroit, Jamie. Mm. Their goal every year, what do we have to do to win a Stanley Cup? And they would spend whatever it took 
to go out there and win a Stanley Cup. They sure did. Are the Cardinals willing to do that? Because they can. Not on me, but. <laughs> are, are they <laughs> willing the to do piece. that? There's one other piece Come of on. audio that I wanted to hear from Derek Gould. This again comes from the best podcast in baseball talking about the Cardinals identity. And we've talked a lot about this as well. Do you think they're in a bit of a an identity crisis where they may not have that anchor player, that anchor personality that enlivens a fan base or enlivens a team and instead they've just become, you know, the the brand. You know, they're they're the James Bond franchise. They're always good, but the actor kind of changes. I think that's kind of what we're seeing. They're nameless and faceless in a lot of ways right now. Like who? Back to the personality They've point. been lacking it since Matt Holiday left. I mean, they have been lacking personalities. You transitioned from Pujols to Beltron, from Beltron to Holiday. You yeah, had a, a little bit of Carpenter. A little bit of Carpenter a there. A little bit of Carpenter. I don't even know if people were going to the ball. Carpenter was like a... A surprise. It's a bonus. Yeah, Carpenter was like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. This is awesome. You never went to the ballpark thinking, oh, man, I got to go see Matt Carpenter hit some balls today. I got a question for you guys, and I just pulled up the Major League Baseball, the standings, and I'm just looking at the divisions. If you took the St. Louis Cardinals and you put them in the NL West, okay, would that force the Cardinals' ownership to go out and get some players? Yes. Because I'm looking at it's the Dodgers and the Padres. The Giants, in my opinion, are a good team. They're on the rise, too. They're going to have some good players. And, and it sounds like they're going to spend this offseason, They're going to spend as well. So if you're the St. Louis Cardinals and you're in the National League West, well, you better spend or like, you're out. It's either spend or it's do what you you said and blow it up and rebuild because that's then, what, Right? Like yeah. Then you're in a long-term project. So as Cardinals fans, as we look at this and they say, well, we're winning. We're still getting in the playoffs. You are, but next year you're looking at a division with the Cubs, the Reds, the Brewers, and the Pirates, and the Brewers and the Cubs are on record saying they're slashing payroll. They're going the other way. Let's talk about that a little bit on the other side because Buster only mentioned something about that yesterday where he said the best friend to the Cardinals is the Cubs right now because the Cubs are the team that was supposed to be a dynasty, and it looks like that dynasty is going to end a little bit early. We'll talk about that on the other side. It's 12-13, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, on an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Is the NL Central the enemy of the Cardinals trying to become a great team and instead just being content with being a good team? We'll answer that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. As long as the Cubs are in that boat, I don't. I don't think any huge pressure pressure gets ratchets, uh, ratcheted up on the Cardinals because we know the Reds. Um, while they got better last year, they're never going to be a team that's going to spend huge money. Same thing with the Milwaukee Brewers, the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, in some respects, the best friend in the world right now for the Cardinals and a chance for contending are the Cubs. Uh, because they haven't manifested in the way we thought they would after they won that World Series in 2016. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. That was Buster only on with us yesterday talking about the Cubs going in the wrong direction. And Jamie, you brought this up right before we went to break. If the Cardinals were plopped down into any other division in the National League, either the East or the West, would they still be viewed the same way? Would they still be a legitimate contender? And frankly, my answer to that question is absolutely not. I mean, you look at the East, you've got the Braves, the Phillies, and the Mets, and the Nationals all legitimately looking to contend. And the Marlins were the surprise for everybody last year. I think you could make a case that the Cardinals would probably be fourth in that division. 
next year. Maybe well, especially at best. with the Mets that are going to be on the rise. We assume, anyways. Yeah, and then you look over the NL West. The Dodgers and Padres would bo- are both ahead of the Cardinals in their building right now. The Giants are expected to spend this upcoming offseason, and they're already at least average right now. And then you've got the Rockies and the Diamondbacks at the bottom of that division. And we'll see with both of those teams, especially with the Rockies. The Cardinals would not be able to do this offseason what they're doing in the NL Central if they were in one of those other divisions while still believing that they were an actual contender. Is that a theme for the division, though? Like, looks, let's look at it here, okay? As you're talking about that, I'm looking at the Cubs saying, well, they couldn't do what they're talking about either and still remain even somewhat competitive, even though they're talking about you know, slashing payroll and the Brewers coming out publicly and doing that. Do they do that with more I don't know, certainty, knowing that they're still in the NL Central? They, hey, they could have a chance. Like, that's what I look at because realistically, guys, it's the weakest division in the National League. Yeah, and it has been for might be for the weakest now. division in, in baseball. baseball. It could be. I haven't really dove into the. I mean, the American AL Central is pretty weak, but you figure you got the White Sox in there, which are well, they're coming depending up. on what happens with TLR. They're going to be a powerhouse. And the Twins have had some seasons. Yeah. We saw a couple of years with the Royals. The Indians have been a pretty consistent contender yeah. for the most part over the last decade. And then before that, the Tigers were really good once yeah. upon a time. I know we forget about that now, but we watched them in the World Series against. Yeah, the Cardinals, it's funny. You know? Five years ago. We were talking the NL Central was possibly the powerhouse in the National League, if not Major League Baseball, when you think of the Pirates contending, the Cardinals contending, the Brewers contending, and the Cubs contending. Like, the the Reds were the the weakest link in that division five years ago. And really, it's the Cubs, right? The Cubs let everybody down in this. And obviously, here in St. Louis, none of us care Friggin that that Cubs. is the case. They do that to us all the time. They let everyone down. No wonder we hate the Cubs. The Cubs were supposed to be a dynasty. Forget and, them. And then they ended up winning one World Series with that group of players. Like, they were supposed to be amazing. They had Schwarber and Bryant and Baez. They had guys at every position, basically. Contreras all coming up right around the same time. And it just didn't manifest in the way that we all thought it was but going are they to. The, are they the scary animal now in the closet? Because the Cubs went and tried to do that, and they only won one World Series, and now they're slashing payroll. Like, does John Mosellock and Cardinals ownership look at that and go, hey, you know what? There's nobody in the division that should scare them. Nobody right now. No, but I'm just saying scare them as far as the way they built that model. Yeah, meaning what they did. Spending all that money, trying to grab all the players, and they won one World Series, and now they're kind of in shambles because of it. Do you look at that then and go, wow, maybe we shouldn't follow that model, but I think there is an in-between somewhere. I think the Dodgers take you away from being afraid of that. Or the Astros. Yeah, Yeah, but the Dodgers have consistently been good, right? But they've consistently spent a lot of money every year. Not really, though. Like, Mookie Betts was when they were willing to spend a lot. Put at the top of the payroll for how many years? But now? they were bad when they did that. Now they've they've switched and they transitioned of grooming younger players like a Cody Ballinger and these pitchers that they found in the drafts. Basically, since 2013 or so, when, when, yeah. when Friedman really took over, right. he he brought a lot of the Rays ideas mm-hmm. to LA while also keeping the LA spending as well. Yeah, so they had a, a good balance for the yeah. Dodgers. Yeah. So, so That's I think, a good luxury to have. Yeah, so right. I think well the, played. I think the Dodgers and I think the Astros, and, and honestly, I think the Yankees spend money, but they've also grown players through their draft and trades as well. They keep people away from being afraid of what the Cubs did because the Cubs might be an anomaly compared to what some of the other teams in the league do. The Royals won the World Series based on what the Cubs did. Like, think about that. That's crazy. The the freaking Kansas City Royals who stink. Gotta let it go, BK. They won the World Series by doing what the Cubs did. It can work. That being said, I don't think that St. Louis would do it even if the Cubs worked out. 
in a way, um, in the best possible no, way, right? What would it force them to do something like that? Because if the Cubs were just a powerhouse, and we have these other teams that are emerging with the Padres and the Mets, are going to be good. All of a sudden, the Cardinals aren't a shoe in to just be well that team that's kind of successful. Therefore, they all they almost are forced at that point to try and jump in the big pool. Maybe uh, I think that. The, the tough part is when you do what the Cubs did, there's always going to be a life cycle to it. Oh, yeah. you, you start at the bottom and you end up losing 100 games for three or four years, getting the really good draft picks. You develop those players. And then once they arrive, you go out and you spend right to supplement whatever you're still missing. And whenever you spend, you've got these guys that are probably on bloated contracts and they're going to be there for the life of that uh, five to six years of when you're really trying to contend. You contend for those five or six years and then you go right back to the bottom again and then you try to build back up and then you go back down to the bottom and you go build back up. It's a roller coaster ride for basically there's a 10 year span and you're in the middle of contention for five of those 10 years. The Cardinals are trying to be in the middle of contention for 10 of 10. And that's the difference in the way that they build compared to the way that the Cubs do. And they have. I mean, can't, the, can't the question that. is, can you get the same peaks the way that the Cardinals are building that you can with the way that the Cubs did, the way that the Braves did, the way that the Astros did, the way that the Royals did? Can you peak building this way if you're not also willing to once you get to that uh, that close range right where they were a year ago without then supplementing it with another star? I think you hope that you can peak. I think the the model that the Cardinals have is we're going to be really good or we're going to be good. We're going to be really solid, right? And then to your point, well, can they peak, right? You hope that you cast lightning in a bottle one year. You get in the playoffs, you get hot, and you hope that that peak comes. Now, is that peak created not by accident, but by by luck and good bounces and things like that? Or is it created by going out and grabbing a big name? And I think a lot of people would say, well, you look back to 2011, right? That team shouldn't have made the playoffs. They, you get in and you, you you find out what happens when you get there. The Quite honestly, two years ago, the NLCS as well. But they they got to the NLCS, but then we saw how quickly it fell apart when they went I up against another elite team. How many people team. after that said, well, hey, the next step is the World Series because we got to the NLCS, but it wasn't. It was smoke and mirrors a bit, too. Right. But 2011, they get in, and a lot of a lot of baseball fans always use the mantra of just get in, and then it's a crapshoot in the postseason, right? Except for that team had Yadier Molina in his prime, Albert Pujols, Matt Holiday, and Lance Berkman. I take those guys right now. That lineup in no way was comparable to the lineup that we are looking at right now with the Cardinals. That that rotation also had Chris Carpenter at the front end of it. Jaime Garcia in his prime like that. Just it wasn't the same team that we're looking at right now from the Cardinals. So if this team had stars the way that that team did with Pujols and Holiday and Berkman in the middle of the order. Okay, yeah, now I can talk about once you get to the playoffs, maybe it is a crapshoot in some ways when you have those stars in the middle of your order. And maybe if you had uh, injuries or whatever in the middle of your season and your wild card team, I can listen to that. The tough part is when you don't have those guys, when you don't have Holiday, Pujols, Berkman, well, now it's not a crapshoot anymore. Now you're just hoping to hope, and that's not a plan to me. Unfortunately, that's been the plan. <laughs> I mean, it, it, this this Cardinals team has gone off of hopes, ifs, and wins since they had Stephen Piscotty and Randall Grichik. I mean, they were hoping and expecting to have these guys turn into superstars, and it never came through. 
that's what they've been running this organization off of for the last five, six years. And here, great text here, 65780, Air Comfort Service tax line from the 314, said uh, the Cardinals are still in a familiar position as they were when Harper was available. If they add accordingly, they could be contenders in a couple of years. Well, I agree with that. I agree 100%. But going back to, I think, the biggest question mark that everybody's had in the last little while is, are they going to add accordingly? I know times are tough as far as the the pandemic and the attendance and the revenues and things like that. But adding accordingly doesn't always mean going and grabbing the highest price guy. Adding accordingly means addressing your needs and filling that void with a player who can do that, even if they are a mid-tier type player. The other thing is adding accordingly means when you let guys go that no longer fall into your plan, guys like Randall Gritchick and guys like Steven Piscotty that you just mentioned, Ferrario, you got to get something that actually helps your team in return. I'm not saying you got to get a big time piece, but the Cardinals in return for Randall Gritchick, who is still a big league starter for the Blue Jays, who are trying to contend. They got Connor Green and Dominic Leone, neither of whom, at least from what I understand, are still with the Cardinals. Leone was good for like 20 games, yeah. I think. I was going to say like a week. For Steven Piscotti, they got Jairo Munoz and Max Schrock, neither of whom are currently with the Cardinals organization. Nope. So for two current big league starters for other teams, Piscotti and Gritchick, who were not part of your plan anymore, you essentially, two, three years later, have nothing to show for now, says Piscotti was a unique situation. Sure. Yeah, they were doing him a favor, them. and yeah. you knew they weren't going to necessarily win that trade. And I'm not asking them to, but get somebody that's going to contribute. I think that says a lot about the Cardinals' ability to identify talent offensively. Look at what they got for Marco Gonzalez. Now, doesn't look great, but Tyler O'Neill, who was a top prospect at the time, other teams know that the Cardinals can identify pitching they don't have success identifying hitting. I mean, you don't get Paul Goldschmidt unless you have Luke Weaver on that deal. You're not getting him for Carson Kelly. You're getting him for Luke Weaver. That's a good point. That's a really good point. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Bill Daly's the NHL's deputy commissioner. What the heck is the plan for this league? Are they going to be back January 1st? Are they going to be able to play a full season this upcoming year? We'll ask Bill Daly what that plan looks like as of today when he joins us coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blue Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Very happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly joining us here on the show. Bill, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us today. Let's start with this. There were the big meetings yesterday. What can you tell us is the latest on where the NHL is right now in respect to the opening of the 2021 NHL season? So, uh, the, hi guys. I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> Welcome aboard, Bill. We're just going to hit you over the forehead right away. And, and thanks for having me. Um, uh, obviously fair questions. We had a, we had a good, uh, discussion and meeting with uh, our board yesterday and, uh, explained to them kind of the state of our thinking, um, and where we are with respect to, um, uh, uh, creating a, a format and a concept for the 2020, 21 season. Um, it is still our objective uh, to uh, be able to start playing as, as soon as January 1st. And, and uh, you know, we're pushing uh, uh, certainly that direction. 
Um, we, uh, you know, the, what, what's really uncertain at this point in time um, is, you know, how we'll be approaching the season, where we'll be playing uh, games, how, you know, how many games we'll be playing uh, and, and the like. So we outlined uh, a lot of alternatives and optionality for the clubs yesterday. Uh, I was working this morning uh, a little bit on, on some follow-up uh, information gathering that we're going to get from the clubs, uh, and we're going to continue to work hard uh, to try to uh, uh, get to a point where we can um, uh, get a decision that the, the board is comfortable with um, and that the players are comfortable with and, and uh, start playing, you know, opening training camps. Yeah, Bill, so you talk about some of the obstacles, right? Obviously, the Canadian border is going to cause issues. And, you know, whether that can be fixed to a certain degree or not with the Canadian government, obviously to be determined. But as of right now, that's going to be at least a headache, if nothing else. And I I believe that having the two bubble situations like you finished the season last year, that's probably not going to happen due to convenience for the players and the amount of money that it took to put those things together. But what are the thoughts right now uh, concerning maybe, you know, we've heard the ideas from other sources, of course, about smaller bubbles to where each division may end up with a bubble city and teams going into that bubble city to play three, four, five games and then other teams afterwards. Uh, how about a migraine as opposed to a headache? Uh, the, uh, the the border the border situation continues to be a challenge, and and for the right reasons. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, everybody, you know, our, our priority has to be the health and safety uh, of the people uh, involved, and uh, you know, the hockey community generally. Um, and you know, the, the the border restrictions, travel restrictions, quarantine requirements—they're all put in place for a reason, and we understand that. Um, having said that, you know, we have to we have a league to run. We have to navigate that. Um, I, I think, you know, the fact that we do have seven clubs based in Canada uh, is probably you know a benefit to us that uh, that other professional sports leagues don't have. Um, where you know we can create a Canadian division, we can play uh, a Canadian schedule, and we can minimize uh, potential border cro- crossings. And th- that, in today's environment, is is probably um, you know uh, very beneficial uh, for our ability to to execute uh, on a 2021 season. Um, you know, certainly the thought of realizing you know if, if if you do that and you have to pursue that as an objective. There has to be, uh, you know, a temporary realignment of your other clubs as well. Um, and, you know, we spend some time thinking about that, talking about that with the Players Association. We want to minimize travel uh, in in this kind of, uh, you know, the landscape that we're dealing with currently. And, and realigning along the lines we're thinking about would, uh, would do its part to, to minimize travel. Um, and then when you get to, to that, that point then then you have to make a decision are you playing in clubs home buildings can you play in clubs home buildings which is more fundamental um you know i I think there are are some cities currently where if we drop the puck tomorrow and open the season uh the club wouldn't legally be allowed to to execute or host a game in its home arena so you know hopefully we get to a point where that's uh not the case and that all the clubs can host uh games in their arenas uh, I think that um, is likely the preferred route of the clubs um, being able to play 
in your home markets, um, not necessarily before fans, but in your home markets and, and having some of the comforts of home uh, as opposed to, you know, kind of a hub city or bubble, bubble city con, um, concept. Um, so, you know, I, I expect that is the likely direction uh, that we'll go, at least until we can't go that direction anymore as a backup. Um, and, and potentially kind of a main strategy, we, we could construct um, a hub city concept. It would be a lot different than what the bubble city concept was. Um, it would be far more contained than what you would have kind of on a normal road trip for a normal NHL player and a normal team. Um, but, uh, you know, th- there still would be exposures uh, and interactions with the outside world, which is uh, really what the the bubble was able to kind of prevent. So, um, you know, there are risks associated with both models. It's, it's possible um, that we could start with one model and have to morph to another model. Um, it's possible that we, you know, some clubs are forced to start um, in, a, in a hub city concept uh, before moving to a home city concept. So there, there, there are so many different possibilities um, that you kind of scratch your head. But I think the positive part from our perspective and and from our board's perspective is we know what all the options are and all the optionality is and, um, you know, all the alternatives that can be pursued. Um, And and once things start to align, and I think they have to start to align fairly quickly, we can put those pieces together. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. But we know where all the pieces are and what they and what they do. So, um, you know, I, I think we're ready to act quickly when we're in a position to make decisions. Talking to NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly here on Rivs and BK. And, Bill, I wanted to follow that up because you mentioned, you know, fans, just the word fans. And, and we look at all professional sports. NFL is getting some some version of fans in the stands right now. Certainly geographic locations, state laws that govern those areas, city laws will make a difference in that. But for the revenue model for the NHL, attendance is huge. And I look for next season to how, what is the odds of being able to have fans in the stands at some point? And if you do go with the hub city type, the bubbles all over the place, would you try and pick cities that would have, you know, looser restrictions to where you could get 10, 15, 20 percent capacity to a game? Um. Good questions. I mean, I, I wish I could handicap uh, the issue for you, but I, I don't even think, you know, our medical experts are in a position really to handicap, you know, the, the likelihood that at some point during the 2021 season, we get to a point where, where we have, uh, we can allow at least large numbers of fans in our buildings. Uh, we certainly hope we can get to that point. There's certainly been some encouraging news recently with regard to potential vaccines and the rollout of vaccines. Um, but I think for purposes of modeling and planning, I think we have to assume uh, that for, you know, the duration of our upcoming season, you know, fan attendance is going to be light uh, at, at best, right? Um, you know, I don't think we're going to be in a situation, I hope I'm wrong, um, but, you know, certainly we can't count on being in a situation where, you know, we're playing the Stanley Cup finals in front of a, a, a packed building. Um, you know, so I, I think in terms of planning, 
uh, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to create realistic expectations uh, in how we model and plan. Um, and, you know, we're, we're hoping that it can, you know, progress more aggressively and, and favorably in the coming months. But, but you know, we're, we, 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 you know, trying to be as realistic as we can be. So uh, in terms of kind of hub cities and, and uh, those with more liberal restrictions and not, I'm not sure that's how I'd phrase it. I mean, certainly there may be cities where COVID conditions, at least currently, are more favorable than other cities um, where the COVID situation may be more acute. Um, and I think, you know, we certainly want to be in situations where we promote health and safety. Um, and they, you know, that whether that comes along with uh, increased uh, fan attendance potential, it, it certainly could. But it's not as if we're looking for uh for markets that just you know uh let anybody in the building in any numbers to generate revenue that's not uh that's certainly not what our objective is final question that i've got for you we're talking with bill daly nhl deputy commissioner here on 101 espn here in st louis as we watched the cardinals this season there were plenty of frustrations along the way uh with the team having to basically quarantine for two weeks them two weeks them having to have their entire schedule upended we've seen now in the nfl there are teams that it feels like every day we get new new notes new updates of hey player x has tested positive player yz are now going to be going into quarantine for the next few days we'll see if they're available on sunday bill does the league right now uh and if you do i would love to hear some of the details have details have a plan for what you do in the event and the likely event that somebody tests positive are there going to be expanded rosters to be able to deal with that um do you know what the quarantine's potentially going to have to look like that how is the league going to deal with the very real possibility of players testing positive throughout this season well, in terms of the medical protocols, those are something that we've, you know, we, we've we've worked on over some period of time, right? Going back to even before our return to play over the summer, um, you know. So I, I think on the on the medical side, we understand what will be required um, where you have hiccups uh, with COVID, and and unlike the the bubbles this summer where we we were able to to totally kind of isolate and keep the virus out. Um, you know, we do have to expect that we're going to have situations where people test positive um, and that, that there's been exposure to other uh, players. So so we, we, uh, we, we certainly have protocols and will have protocols that are in place for that. Um, you know, the expanded roster issue is something we have to deal with regardless of, of COVID. I mean, the, the hockey world itself is kind of uh, kind of on its head right now with respect to where – where teams are allowed to play, where they're not allowed to play, how leagues are operating. Um, you know, there's not really enough spaces for for players to play currently. So that's all a puzzle uh, that that is part of the bigger puzzle that we're dealing with. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of issues uh, to, to be dealt with. But again, you know, we know what the issues are and, and um, you know, we've had some success in dealing with them in the past. And and, you know, we'll work hard to have the same success moving forward.
He's Bill Daly, NHL Deputy Commissioner. We sincerely appreciate him giving us a little bit of time today. I know he's an unbelievably busy man. Bill, always appreciate the time. All the best to you. We wish you guys all the best of luck as you plan for this upcoming NHL season. Really appreciate you having me, guys. Have a great weekend. Absolutely. That's Bill Daly joining us here on 101 ESPN, the NHL Deputy Commissioner. That is my biggest concern about this upcoming season, Jamie. That last question that I asked, because... We're seeing in the NFL, there's a bunch of people that are testing positive right now. It happens every week. We get the announcement on like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Hey, player X has tested positive or is on the COVID list. And we don't necessarily know what that means. And then by Sunday, some of them are playing. Some of them are not. But it's always a question. Who's going to be available? Who's not? Is there going to be somebody that tests positive on Saturday night? What is what is the upcoming week going to look like? But they've got seven days to deal with it Mm -hmm. in the middle of the week. The NHL doesn't have that luxury. The NHL is going to try to play as many games as they can in a condensed schedule. They're probably playing, what, three games a week, four games a week maybe this year? Probably at least four, I'm telling you. They're going to be in a similar situation to what baseball was doing, where you've got these guys, and if you test positive earlier in the day, you're not going to be available that night, and you might not be available for the next four nights. And so you might miss two or three games. And what does that mean for the other guys on the team? Do they have to then quarantine? So... That's where I have some questions, and I, I, I didn't, we didn't really get an answer there. And I well, understand, I, think, yeah. I understand that that's that's a difficult question to answer. But it, it's going. He said that they've dealt with it in the past, and they feel like they can deal with it again in the future. They haven't dealt with this in the past because they were in a bubble. So when they were playing their games, nobody tested positive the entire time, and they deserve a ton of credit for that. The time when they dealt with it was in training camp, but there was no games to be played during training camp. So that's that's my biggest concern for the upcoming season is how they're going to be able to deal with that when they are no longer in that bubble. Well, the, the tough part here for the NHL is the players and the league have to agree to what they're going to do, okay? And the NHL, ideally, they would start next week. And the reason they would start next week is even though they have restrictions and they wouldn't have fans, it gives them more runway. So if a team, like you're saying, has a COVID problem, well, now you can literally quarantine that team for five to seven days, take their games and move them somewhere else because you have this amount of runway to work with. And I do think that's why the NHL has gone from saying January 1st. Remember, they went to like, well, February 1st. And now they're like, wait a minute. Let's get back to January 1st. There's a couple of things involved in that. One's a TV deal. They got to get all their games in uh, before NBC bolts for the Olympics or Olympic type uh, coverage at the end of the hockey season. And two is you got to have runway to make changes, to do this, to bob and weave and get through a season And the obstacle the NHL has is the players may not agree to come back so soon because, well, COVID numbers are up. They've got the same questions that I'm talking about right now. COVID numbers are up right now. So how are we going to stay healthy with my family and my kids and my mom, my dad, my grandparents, everybody? How's everybody going to stay healthy when we don't really know what we're doing here yet? It's a huge question. There are even more questions that still need to be answered. And one of those questions is what you asked Bill Daly. Hey, if you go to a hub city idea, are you going to try to play in certain areas that allow for more fans in the stands? Let's get into that. Let's react a little bit more to what Bill Daly just had to say. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers. 
Ferris. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So we were happy to be joined by Bill Daly, the NHL's deputy commissioner. Gave us a little bit of insight, what he could, as to what the NHL is looking at right now for the upcoming season. He mentioned they're still pushing for January 1st. They're looking at a potential Canadian division realignment. If that were to take place, would be very likely. The preference is to play in teams' home markets, but there are some places right now that, frankly, that's not even possible. Uh, he also said that they're probably expecting at best light attendance for the upcoming NHL season. Jamie, before we went to break, you mentioned how the NHL basically is looking at January 1st because of the runway that it provides. And college football had something similar happen this year. The Big Ten decided to punt on the college football season. They were going to wait until January, February. They were going to move it to the spring. Until the SEC started playing, they were like, hey, <laughs> there's money to be had here. We could still get Justin Fields on the field. Uh, let's go ahead and play. We're going to start in November. It'll be great. It's going to be fantastic. So the Big Ten decided that they would play this fall. The problem is they have no runway. So any game that is postponed is not postponed. It's canceled. It's just terminated. <laughs> there's no way that they could actually add it to the end of the season because they gave up all of that runway. Meanwhile, the SEC, because they started earlier was able to postpone quite a few games now, and they've so far been able to put those games at the back end of the schedule, add an extra week or two to the season, and they're going to hopefully be able to make up most of, if not all of these games. That's what the NHL is hoping that they can do by starting in January as opposed to February. Be the SEC instead of being in the Big Ten's current situation. Yeah, look, the NHL here, uh, they've got to try and get the season in, and we didn't get to this with Bill Daly, uh, because obviously he's a he's a real busy guy right now, and he's got more meetings going on. But they, the NHL has said it. We didn't have to really ask him today. The NHL has come out and said that they don't want this season to impact next season. They don't want this season to necessarily screw up the draft and the expansion draft, and that's because the Seattle Kraken are coming in, and they want to give that team the opportunity to have a full season, and they want to market it that way. So, yeah, they have some runway ahead of them right now, to me, it's how much are they wanting of that runway? Like, do they want to get to 70 games, or is it more prudent to go with 55? And then, you know, make sure you get them all in. And to the the question that I had about the hub cities, if they did that idea, the small hubs, you, I think you have to go to cities that are letting fans in stands. Texas and Florida, baby. I think you have to make sure that those cities are involved so that you can get your 10 15% it doesn't make the owners make money. What it does is it stops some of the bleeding. When well, you got to go to markets that have fan attendance that like hockey, like look, Florida would be that great. Might not be possible. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if that's some possible, of it Alex. might. Some of it might not. I mean, you got to. They're work. not going to have it in Toronto, Montreal, and all those cities are going to have no fans. Yeah, zero. New, same for New York, Pittsburgh, anything in the yeah. Northeast. Just well, pretend you got no like Chicago. It's not I mean, that's going to be the biggest issue. Well, here's the other issue. I mean, you have Hub City in the Midwest. A lot of the Midwest, Midwest places aren't allowing anything right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're seeing. The, I don't think downs. you could host a hockey game right now in St. Louis because they, they have the, 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 the limits on right 10 now, people. Right. But like the Kansas City Chiefs are allowing people in. Well, and, you know, like it's that's I know what they I was, don't have an NHL facility there. That's what I was going to say with it. I, I mean, I was listening to the two man advantage podcast with Pierre Lebrun and Burnside the other night. And the best thing that's going for the NHL right now is the fact that. Jerry Jones in Dallas is bringing people into stadium. The fact that you're seeing people in closed stadiums is the best thing to happen for the NHL because we've talked about it. The revenue is all gate revenue. Like your TV deals are important. Stadiums are cities. 
It's not like an NHL rink. You you've been inside one of those stadiums? I have, yes. But, it's cr- come on, right? But the, but the conversations that, that he's had with Rob Manfred and the conversations he's had with Adam Silver, who in the NBA, they're talking about trying. I mean, heck, the Golden State Warriors owner just said he's willing to pay $40 million to get the fans in the buildings to do rapid result testing. Think about that, by the way. That's one guy, though. Imagine, And, and he's a billion. Like, can you imagine presenting that to but, a small ownership group like the Blues? But it's a testing situation. If, if the NHL and people see that the NBA can pull off fans in smaller stadiums, then that's benefiting the NHL at but some so point. So you think the, the NHL money. steps in then and tries to provide money for these places to do rapid that's, testing? That's the problem is the money that he's spending, the $40 million you're talking about, is the money that he's spending for the testing. He's yeah. spending that because these tests are like $100 per test that he's trying to get. Now, hopefully, fingers crossed, it'd be great if these become more affordable and more readily available so we can actually get them to places like hockey rinks or even hell put them in restaurants that way we can open those things back up right that would all Strip be great clubs. everywhere right open those it will all stay back open up. the it's problem is they aren't <laughs> they aren't reasonably priced right now and they are not readily available and this is why he's having to pay the 40 million dollars yeah. to hopefully be able to get like a 20 to 30 percent capacity in uh san francisco next year something to remind us all here the 30 million or 40 million whatever he's talking about spending it it's costs the nhl 100 million to provide their bubble that whole experience. So think about that for a second. It's cr- I'm stunned that he's even considering doing this because I'm trying to do the math in my head. How in the oh, world do could that. you break even on this? Like you got to overcharge for tickets. It's going to be yeah, th- crazy. <laughs> you know what? It costs a hundred bucks a test. Yeah, hundred bucks. A Guess test. what? It's 200 bucks a ticket. You take it. <laughs> Seriously. Basically, the test is your ticket. It's it's going to be it's going to be but wild. you have to have some margin built in there. Otherwise, it's bad business because well, you, you have the cost of the taxes okay. and all that Shut stuff. Up, employees. Man. The other thing that you're going to have to have is like you got to make money (laughs) off of the parking. You got to make money off of the concessions. All stuff is going to be jacked up in terms of the prices. And now we go back to the NHL. We're hopefully hosting in a hub city. Well, why are those people, at least in San Francisco, you've got Warriors fans that are going to watch their team, right? Yeah. Why is somebody in Dallas like, hey, I want to go watch the Blues take on the Predators tonight? Well, that's a good game, though. It is a good game, but you're not going to be able (laughs) to charge $200 for for somebody from uh, Fresno to watch that game. And to be honest with you, I mean, you're, you're opening up that gate and hope. That fans come. Yeah, and you we just literally cross about, your fingers going, anything better than zero? Who's going to be willing to spend money if they're forced to work from home or people get kind of laid off or furloughed oh. again if you go through another stretch like we've done in the past? Yeah, I hate 2020. <laughs> this just sucks. No. I hate it. No. You just started bringing me down, working at home, people Op- losing their jobs. Optimism Friday. Can't Too put long fans didn't read. The, the NHL is going to have a really tough time putting this together, but we're all very happy that they are. <laughs> just play, please. Thank you for your time, Strip Bill. clubs are still open, Riffs. No, I'd heard well, they're done. Some places are. Some yeah. places are We'll not. figure it out. He's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, there was an all-time press conference moment yesterday, and we got to get to some all-time press conference moments from over the years. That's in the junk drawer on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, that's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. So Jamie texted me this morning. He said, hey, I need you to do me a favor. Uh-oh. Uh, okay. Uh-oh. Context, what's, what's going on, man? It's like I, I'm willing to hide the body wherever. 
And he sends me those texts Jamie. always at, at night. It's weird. Jamie said, no, 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 no. It's not that one this time. I need you to help me with some audio. I said, okay, Jamie, what's going on here? So, Jamie, for your junk drawer today, what do you have for us, my friend? Well, look, at in a day and age right now, we just got finished talking about pandemic and how crazy it is in the NHL, and we're not sure. Well, I, I isolated last night. I saw Teddy Bridgewater doing a media availability press conference, as you would call it. And the one thing that's been tough about these press conferences is it's all video, right? So it's not in person. You're you're losing some of the personality, maybe some of the follow-up questions. You have to sit in line with your hand up on the thing. And anyways, there really hasn't been a whole lot of interesting things done in the press conference until Teddy Bridgewater last night. And Teddy Bridgewater, um, to set the stage on this one, he attended his Zoom press conference wearing a referee jersey. And so... Obviously, the media was like, hey, what's with the referee jersey? So this is what Teddy Bridgewater had to say during his press conference. Teddy, why are you wearing that? I'm here to throw a flag on any question that I don't want to answer. No, I'm just playing. I just came from work, uh, my other job, Foot Locker. Mike Salarte, you want to ask the next one? Is there a reason that you are working at Foot Locker? Well, when you got a punter who is 100% on the season completing passes, man, he makes it tough on you. So trying to find another way to generate some in- uh, income. That is incredible. I love you. Good Teddy work Bridgewater. By Teddy. Teddy. By the way, Teddy. I know that Alex Smith is getting a lot of the love for comeback player of the year this year, and deservingly so. What he's coming back from is unbelievable. Oh, wow, yeah. Teddy Bridgewater deserves a ton of credit for coming back from what he came back from. People thought he would never play football again, again when that happened to him up in Minnesota. His knee was, like, done. It was shredded. Uh Uh-huh. He's playing really well this year, man. I know... Alex deserves some sort of award, maybe even named after him for what he's been able to do. Appreciate that. But Teddy Bridgewater, in my opinion, should be your comeback player of the year this year because he what he's doing on the football field is nothing short of remarkable. He's been really good for them. That's a competitive team. He's been amazing. And adding that now, the personality, we're starting to see some Teddy Bridgewater coming out here, the real deal. I love it. I love it. And so this morning, basically, uh, Alex, when I walked in, I said to BK, I want to get this audio. And then I was like, you know what? Like, what are some of the best press conference moments we've had over the years? And everybody already, like, they always have one that sticks out. So, you know, BK, for you, for you, what are some of the best press conference moments? So I'm going to go locally first because it's going to be the all-time best moment that you could possibly have at any Cardinals press conference. I remember, we've talked about this before, but Ferrario was in the scrum when this happened. (laughs) Let's just go ahead and go out to the tape from Tommy Pham telling us about, you know, one of the more painful memories in his life. Gold standard. I mean, I've been in some real pain before. You know, I've been stabbed. You know, actually, I've been through a lot. Let's just say that, so. God, I will never forget when he said that. All of us, Jimmy the Cat Hayes, Derek Gould, Rick Hummel, we all looked at each other like, did this guy just say he was stabbed? I'm still so <laughs> mad at you guys. There was no follow-up. I know. That's what I'm mad at. How do you How follow, do you follow that, that up? Hey, Tommy, can we go back to you being can stabbed? Can I see the wound? Yes. No, because then he was going to stab us. Why did you get stabbed? <laughs> yes. Well, oh now we know God. because you're hey, getting Tommy. that close to his car. Tommy, I- I'd like to ask a quick follow-up. Uh, did you just say you've been stabbed? 
And then let's see where the conversation goes from like, there. Like, but yeah. listen, like listen, and this was probably edited. I'm assuming. Yes. B- listen to this dead dead space in between him when he said it. You know. I'm... I mean, that took a good two seconds, which to in me it felt like it was like 30 seconds. Well, I'm sure you everybody there was trying to process what Nothing. just happened. So as we dove into it, I brought up, of course, one of my favorites, Jim Mora. And I think that that's epic. And I was playing. I forget where the heck I was playing at the time, but we were watching it on the TV the next morning. Oh, and from the day before and, you know, having a bagel and a coffee sitting around. And and then Jim Mora had his meltdown of epic proportions. Don't talk about playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. That one was incredible. Playoffs. (laughs) Playoffs, but I feel like the all-time football one is actually Denny Green. Whenever he came out afterwards and is talking about the Bears, if you want to crown their asses, you can crown their asses. Do we have this in there? We do. If you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Rest in cool. peace to the late great Denny Green. One of the one of the all time great quotes there. We also have to go over, of course, if we're talking football, Herm Edwards. Yeah, we gotta get this one in. Herm Who Edwards is just epic. Has since talked about how he when he got home from this press conference, his wife looked at him and said, Herm, what did you do? Because they were in New York at the time, and all she heard about was this. Wait, I may have had this exact moment with my boys one time after a hockey game. This exact moment. Hello, you play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You don't play to win. Thanks, Herm. Play for the tie. Can somebody get this message to the Cardinals, please? Can we please get this message to to the Cardinals? You play to win the game. Yes. Now, one that we didn't get to, which uh, I've used myself over the years after it happened, uh, and we don't have the audio for it, but I don't think you can have this conversation without Allen Iverson. Oh, absolutely. Practice? Y'all want to talk about practice? We're talking about practice. Amazing stuff. We're talking about practice. I also think that you've got to bring up... um, my guy, Mike Gundy. Oh, oh, my God. oh yeah. Who yes. came out and basically said, I'm a man. I'm 40. Don't write about him. Write about me. I'm a man. I can take it. That was really good. Okay. I'm amazed you guys didn't even bring this one up, though. I had to search this one while we were talking here. From Coastal Carolina, the football coach. Oh, oh yeah. Boy. Cats. Screen won't go that way. Cat starts going all crazy. We don't want no dogs in here. We have a bunch of cats. Meow. Speaking of cats, Mike Ryder's got a big birthday party. Oh my party God, yeah. Did you guys hear about this? Jamie, inside jokes are no fun. They make no friends. As Michael Scott once said, I love inside jokes. I hope to be a part of one one day. It's 112, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Are the Cardinals looking at trading Carlos Martinez? I know I just got you to perk up in your car right now. We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. So I asked the question going into break. Are the Cardinals actually considering trading Carlos Martinez? The reason why I bring this up is because over the last couple of days, I've been doing some reading from Ben Fredrickson and Mark Saxon. 
Both of them have made mention to the idea that the Cardinals are at the very least entertaining offers for Carlos Martinez. Here's what Ben Fred had to say yesterday on the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. He said, the Cardinals have entertained trade offers for Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill before, and that could happen again. The Cardinals sure sound like they're out of patience with Carlos Martinez, so a move there should not be surprising if it happens either. Those would be at the top of my list of possibilities this offseason. End quote. Again, that comes from Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, who does some great reporting for them. Guys, if they can get just about anything for Carlos at this point, I think I would accept it. And it has less to do with Carlos's performance. I know for a lot of fans, they're just done with him. I, I get it to an extent. It has less to do with that for me and more to do with the fact that they can get similar production from uh, that they are going to get from Carlos Martinez from other guys who have more upside moving forward for a far, far cheaper price. It's basically the same way that the Cardinals view their second base situation. They went from a guy that was making twelve and a half million dollars to somebody that's making five hundred thousand dollars and you save a ton of cash that way. I view this the same way. Carlos is expected to make twelve million next year. If you can get that same job done for one or two do that, and then maybe with that savings, they can go out and sign a guy like a Nelson Cruz or whoever your favorite mid-tier free agent is this offseason. So here's where I am on Carlos, okay? All jokes aside, all the, the, the funny remarks that I always throw out there with Carlos, I've given him time. Me. Now, I know it doesn't mean anything. I'm not John Mosaic. I'm not Mike Schilt. But I try to wrap my brain around certain players, and all I've heard from day one, the talent, the talent, it's a talented dude. Hey, when this guy's on his game, he's he's talented, man. He can really do a great job. The problem is that's what we keep hearing. This is a talented guy. He's a talented guy. And if, and if, and he's talented, and if, guys, I'm, I'm over it, okay? This is a $12 million player mm-hmm. right now that I don't know anybody that's confident when he takes the mound. And it's if he's on, if, there's that word again, if he's on, then, yeah, he's going to be okay. But when's the last time he took them out and you're like, Carlos has got this. The last time I did that was when he's coming out of the bullpen. And even then, it was like a half confidence. It wasn't a full confidence. So for me, for $12 bucks to have a bullpen guy that I'm still not even sure of, that you're squeezing into the rotation, and you're hoping that this talented guy has a good day, it ain't working, man. Move on. And let's be honest here. If he's a bullpen guy, he doesn't have a significant role that's worth $12.5 million in that bullpen. Because I don't think there is a role that's worth $12.5 no, million dollars in a bullpen well, this well, year. Andrew, Andrew Miller. Miller would tell you differently. But, I mean, if you think Brad about Hand it. If Brad can't get his $10 million, I, this certainly is not worth whatever Carlos gives you next year, even if he's your closer, not worth 12 But think about it. I mean, Carlos, you're putting him behind whatever Jordan Hicks is going to be, which I would fully imagine he's going to be healthy. Giovanni Gallegos, Orion Helsley. I mean, Alex Reyes, go yeah. down the list here. I mean, Cody Whitley's probably even ahead of Carlos Martinez. I have other guys I'd rather take a chance on. Yeah, so, you know, that's, and, and in the, the future. The text line here from the 314, by the way, Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We always love hearing from you. From the 314, everyone is great when they're on. Okay, I understand the the joke there. But the problem is, is he's not on very much. And the, the whole discussion of what well, he's great when he's on. I think what they're on. saying is, like, every, everybody has greatness in them whenever they're on their game. Carlos, too often, though, is not on the top of his game. Too often. we ha- When's the last time we really felt like Carlos was on his game? Well, and I think the, the, most, con- the most consistent was 2018. Mm-hmm. The road has ended for Carlos, at least in the Cardinals' eyes, isn't because of the fact that he can't live up, live up to what they wanted with him. 
it's that he's not prepared every time. Like, I think the frustration is set into where this guy doesn't come to camp prepared. He says he's that he's prepared, but then when he gets his shot, he doesn't, and he falls apart. He doesn't prepare the way you need somebody that's making $12.5 million. The problem with moving him, I don't even know if anybody wants that right now, especially when you're slashing prices because they've heard what John Mosaic, what others have said about Carlos mm-hmm. Martinez, too. I think they would have to do a Mike Leak type of deal. Because if you guys remember, when the Cardinals traded Mike Leak, they ate a lot of that contract, and they had to take on a lot of that money. I don't know if you want to do that right now. If you're the Cardinals, do you want to do that? Or do you just want to roll the dice and say, you yeah. know what, I hope he has a good game. Yeah, why not I, keep him? What if I told you the Cardinals can eat $5 million of this salary, but you're getting $7 million in relief? I'd do that then. You know, because I, I think you could maybe get something like that, or maybe it's the other way around. You have to eat $7 million of it, but you're getting $5 million in relief, and maybe you go repurpose that $5 million to get somebody like Tommy Lastella, who's going to help your lineup a little that's bit. That's all great, but that's the thing. You got to do something with it, because if you're just doing that and paying money for him to go somewhere else and the Cardinals way, he's probably going to be effective somewhere else. If you're not going to spend that money and upgrade elsewhere, then just keep them and see. You Maybe you get a, a flash in the yeah, can. You keep a guy like this, though. Does he have some kind of a negative impact on your clubhouse? Like with Yachty leaving, possibly. And look, at, another thing, too, is when Yachty's out talking to the pitcher, two batters in, and or at the end of the first inning or midway through the second, when that, that's his starts this year. Mm-hmm. And his body language, guys. He's thrown to the third batter of the of the game, and he's like angry at himself, and like and he's like shaking his head, and he's like, he's not there, man." I don't know if he's affecting the ball club, though. I think he's got some. I think it's more so he's uh, he's in his own head, I, honestly. And I know this sounds crazy, but I've seen it at some point. He's he's kind of a, a spark plug in the locker room, like in the clubhouse. Like he gets other guys energized. Like he hypes them up. He's also the first guy in line for the post game drinks too. Like he likes to drag himself out and have a good time, which I'm okay with. But when you're not performing at mm-hmm. the level that you're being paid for, and yeah. you're the guy that's out there causing a stir, uh, look, you can offset him all you want, but if you're not going to spend the money elsewhere, I don't see how it benefits you. I tend to agree with you, Ferrario. I. I would like to see them. I would love to find out if they could do something like this. I mean, if something is out there for them where you don't have to get a great prospect in return, but if there's something out there where they have to eat some of this money, which they likely would, to be able to get some salary relief, and then they could, re again, repurpose that money elsewhere, I think I'd be okay with that, given what they have as alternatives. Because, again, I keep going back to this. I don't want their pitching staff to become what their outfield is right now. And I think we're getting dangerously close to that being a possibility if they don't find out this year what they can get out of Ponce or Gomber because soon you're going to have Libertor. You're going to have Dakota Hudson coming back. You're still going to have Mikeless on his long-term deal. You have Flaherty. There's only five spots in that rotation. And if you don't know what you have in these guys, well, now maybe they're getting passed up and you're still wondering, kind of like Tyler Lyons towards the end of his time here. Is this guy anything for us? Can we get anything out of him? You're also then losing value for their trade markets as well. So Mm -hmm. I would like to see what they can do for you this year. And if you can open up a spot by doing this, I think that's probably the route that I would take, especially if they're not going all in this season. And one last thought on this is, that this is his last year on the contract, right? Last guaranteed club options. Year. Last guaranteed year. Yeah. So if you're looking at it as a club and you're like thinking about how you're going to move on anyways, why wouldn't you just move on sooner? 
Yeah, I, I tell you what, with all of the players that are going to be going to arbitration and players that Buster only has talked about that teams are going to be moving on from because they're cutting costs. I do think you could move Carlos Martinez for something that helps your club, but you're going to have a you're going to have to attach something to it. You're going to have to attach a salary, dump. a prospect with him to get or something in some return of the salary. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's kind of that sliding yeah. scale that we always talk yeah. about where if you want to attach something to him, the other team will probably take on more of the salary. <laughs> if you don't want to, well, then you're going to have to eat mm-hmm. some of that salary yourself yep. with Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. I did think about this earlier today because Carlos, for some people might be the answer to this question. If you could lock in, you, I give you a button and you could lock in a peak season for any current Cardinal. Who would you choose? Because Carlos, we've seen his peak. If he were to hit his ceiling again, it's 200 innings and a 3-1 ERA, which is among the best pitchers in baseball. So, Carlos, you'd love to lock in that peak year and you just put him as your number two starter this season and you feel really good about what you've got around him, right? But if I told you guys you can have any current Cardinals player reach their ceiling this season— for one season and you're locking it in before the year and then you're you're figuring out what you've got around them this year. Who do you guys think that you would hit that button for right now? 65780, by the way, is the Air Comfort Service text line if you want to send in yours for the current Cardinal that you would lock in the peak season from. Well, it's, t- it's tough, right? I think it's tough because you look at Matt Carpenter. He had a great season. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Goldschmidt, take your pick. I feel confident, though, that even by just testing my luck, Paul Goldschmidt's going to have a good year. That's Carpenter's what, an interesting one, though, for see, sure. See, I don't think it's hard. In my opinion, it's it's easy. It's Paul DeYoung. I mean, Paul DeYoung, Paul DeYoung at his peak has been a 35 home run guy who can get you 90 to 100 home runs. What are we talking about, guys, about going to get a bat that's doing that? Paul DeYoung's peak year gives you two elite bats in the middle of your order. The problem is you're uncertain about it. So if I could lock it in. Paul DeYoung's my guy because I bring back Yachty and Ueno, cheap deals. I got a competitive team if I know he's going to be a 35 home run hitter. I think I'm between two guys right now. Um, if you're telling me I could I could lock in their ceiling, what do we think Tyler O'Neill's ceiling well, is? Well, I was going to go down that path of ceiling Tyler O'Neill and, and, and Dylan Carlson. What yeah. are their ceilings, right? They're to be determined, so it's tough. It's well, tough. You get a ceiling in AAA of Tyler O'Neill, you're looking at 40 home runs. That's what I'm saying. If, if, if I could lock that in, if you told me the, the ceiling for Tyler O'Neill, the best he could possibly be right now is a 250 hitter that's going to get you 35 to 40 home runs this year, that's really hard not to lock in because suddenly Um, (laughs) The other thing, though, to your point on Carlson, what if he's a 270 hitter that gets on base 35 uh, percent of the time and he's he's given you 35 doubles, 20 homers, stealing 20 bags like, man, that's kind of the type of player that we've been talking about that they need all offseason. What about Dexter Fowler? 618 on the text line says, you know, Dexter Fowler. I don't know enough about his peak seasons. His peak so seasons. I'll defer to you guys. That first year here in St. Louis was his peak season, if I'm not mistaken. Like he was close to a 300 hitter. I mean, his his last year with the Cubs was really good too. Yeah, 275 with a 400 on base percentage. He hit 15 homers, 25 doubles that year. Ended the season with an 850 OPS. That would be. That would be a hell of a player to have. I just feel good about him being solid this year at a minimum, right? Yeah. Some of these guys that we're talking about, like Tyler O'Neill, we've seen what the floor is, and it ain't good. If I could, instead of having the possibility of that floor, lock in that ceiling, well, now the guys around him kind of become lesser pivot points, and I've got that locked in. I think my answer might be Matt Carpenter. Because we've seen the peak, 40 home runs. 
we've seen the peak. It was uh, 35. I think his peak season was the 2016 year. Oh, yeah. 35 doubles, 20 homers, got on base 38% of the time, had a 500 slug. That's a really good season by Matt Carpenter. I think I would lock that guy in right now. See, I think then I've got third base taken care of, too. That's the thing. And I mean, I, I. Go away from Paul DeYoung, my pick, because then, I mean, Paul DeYoung, at worst, he's going to give you 15 to 20 home runs. You know you're getting that. The problem with Tyler O'Neill, which I think is a great pick, but he's never had a peak season. Like, you don't know what a peak season is at the major league level. So, yeah, I think I would switch it to Carpenter, too, because, I mean, if I can get doubles Carpenter that broke Stan Musial's single season record in doubles, I mean, that's another elite bat to add to a Paul DeYoung and a Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, I think it's one of those two. I, I, I think it's either Tyler O'Neill or Matt Carpenter yeah. to me, where if, if you could right now, if somebody told you, hey, you're going to October of next year and you, you, you are able to lock in one peak season from any current Cardinal, I think that I'd probably have to go with one of those two and to not sit on the fence. I think I would take Matt Carpenter just because they have no answer right now at third base or DH. And he could at least fill one of those two spots with Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive in to one got to go. Six, five, seven, eight, oh, is the air comfort service text line. You give us four option. We say one has to go. One's got to go coming up next on one oh one ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Time for one gotta go. You give us four options. We say one's gotta go. It's a very simple game. It's Jamie's favorite game of the week. Should we one not, gotta go. Should we change the name of this though? To BK gets hated every oh, Friday. Nah, BK's bad show. takes every <laughs> Friday. <laughs> just the show. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. What? Saturday, oh, too. In the parentheses. Plus Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday <laughs> Get as well. A bonus package. <laughs> One gotta go. Super Bowl halftime performance edition. As earlier today, we mentioned the weekend is going to be your 2021 Super Bowl halftime performer. One gotta go. Super Bowl halftime show. Beyonce, Bruno Mars. Justin Timberlake or last year's Shakira J-Lo halftime show? <laughs> Tell you who's not going. J-Lo and Shakira aren't going anywhere. Neither is Beyonce. So it comes down to these two, Bruno Mars and Justin Timberlake. Uh, Bruno Mars was fantastic, but I'm going to stick with JT. So for me, for monster. my money, Bruno Mars, sorry, you got to go. You're a monster. You don't get rid of Justin Timberlake ever. You just I said didn't. Bruno Mars has to go. Thanks no, for listening. No, we said Timberlake. By no, the way, just a heads okay. up, Tiger has not Welcome teed aboard. off yet. So he isn't having a bad day quite yet. So technically, he's having a great day. Or a bad day. Or for a bad day. He's got to go, buddy. Other than you. Why, why did you have to say that? <laughs> well, our text line's blowing you up. Is it really? Probably I'm going to close that one up then. I don't Somebody even... help me here. <laughs> uh, I don't... <laughs> Should we should we explain what just happened? No. Yeah, okay. I think you should. All right. Yeah. So Ferrario looked at us and he's like, can you guys help me with the pronunciation of this name for the guy that is currently on the top of the leaderboard for the Masters? Listen, you can come to us for a lot of sports information. I'm not going to pretend like I'm a golf expert. All right. I don't know the gentleman. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. So I told him just give an update on where Tiger's at on the uh, on the updated <laughs> leaderboard. So this is right before he's coming back from break. Oh, my God. I can't breathe. So Ferrario calls the audible he updates you guys on where he's at Bad unfortunately <laughs> he also went off script and said yep. it's been a bad day for him obviously has not 
Well, technically, it would be a bad day for Tiger because he was top three yeah, but at the end of the day yesterday. Yet, well, you're just assuming I meant it was a bad day for him. It was a bad day for him because now somebody's five shots under ahead of him. Oh, Absolutely. All right, for our right, so take that text line. show performances. I said that Bruno Mars had to go. That was a, like back to back for Nario Friday there. Oh, uh, Beyonce's got to go. Whoa. Yeah, Beyonce's got to go. Holy cow, she's like the best one of the last decade. No, she's not. Timberlake was. Bruno was right there with it, along with J-Lo and Shakira. Well, those are your options. Yeah, <laughs> Beyonce, Beyonce was... No, it's gone. The uh, correct answer here is Justin Timberlake. Oh no, that's the here we go. JT. It's a terrible answer. His performance wasn't very good. It was boring. No. I've been to a JT concert. I'm sure you've been to a million yeah. of them, Ferrario. Only two. I know that's your guy. This is my guy. He's really good in concerts. Super entertaining. His Super Bowl halftime performance was flat. Which no, one? No. Well, that one the was one great. where he well, yeah. he's had a few. I still remember that the one. The one where he was the headliner. It just it yeah. fell a little bit flat. He's got to be the one that's get all the way up out of here. All right. Well, Awful now I team. hate you on a Friday. Awful team. One gotta go. Extravagant gift for your wife edition. Alexis, jewelry from Tiffany's. A trip to Bora Bora or a Louis Vuitton handbag? There is absolutely nothing to even think about here. The trip to Bora Bora has got to go. What? What? Think about it, guys. If you're spending that kind of money on something, right, you want more than one use of it. Yeah, see, I totally, I'm the opposite. No. I would say that's my number one choice yeah. out of that group. Okay, because so if then I'm... what? Then you're still stuck with three others or two others of this that are going to cost you a lot of money, and you don't get anything for it. Because I, if what I, I get is the memory. Life, I get the, I get the, oh I get the board, trip, board, which the you memory. never get to go to. Oh, the memory. No, do you not like traveling? No, I just think it's, I like traveling, but if I have these other options in front of me where I know... No. We can get a good lifetime out of Alexis. Jewelry's always great. And the Louis Vuitton handbag, you know, she's going to use it. See, Bora, I'm she going to use it for a month. Maybe. <laughs> oh, what are you going to use? Bora Bora for a week? Yeah, I'm going to remember that trip forever. Probably not, knowing you. <laughs> That's true. Good point. Fair point. <laughs> Fair point. Ferrario, one got to go. Extravagant gift edition for your wife. Louis Vuitton ha- handbag to me. I'm spending all of this money for a bag that I could probably get in Chinatown for, what, $5? Yeah. Not a real one. Call it Louis Button. And it's the same thing. Looks the same thing. It's not the same. She's going to use it for maybe a couple of weeks. And Trip then... to Branson. Same as Bora oh. Bora. <laughs> what? What? Have you been to Branson? It's a wonderful area. They not have a Bora new Bora. Bora. When the sun is shining and we know you don't go in the ocean, BK, so if they have That's a pool, true. what's the difference? Yeah, I don't know why you're going to Bora Bora. I'm with you, Ferrario. <laughs> Louis Vuitton handbag is the clear cut. That's got to go. Saying Bora Bora is the one that's got to go is one of the most unbelievable things that you've ever said on this show, and that is really saying something, you got to know your wife, too. It's about too. the dumbest thing, Rivers, you got to you know said. your wife. My wife she, would be like, forget that, Bora It's just Bora. like when you said in the update that Tiger Woods teed off her. Yeah. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for One's Gotta Go. One Gotta Go Music Edition. Country, rock, hip-hop, or pop? Country, rock, hip-hop, or pop, One's Gotta Go Music Edition. Are we going right now oh music or like God. in general? The genre okay. is all the way up out of here. I'm getting, I'm, get, I'm getting pop out of here. Pop is terrible right now. Yeah. Like, give me a good pop song right now that you like listening well, to. It, does pop, I would imagine that includes Michael Jackson, right? Yeah, it would. If you're getting rid of the genre, you're oh, getting rid of the catalog shoot. as well. And listen, I Man. we can get Michael Jackson all the way up out of here, but his music is like incredible. To to yeah, I, boy, I got to take that back BK, now. You're an evil soul. Yeah, you, know you are. Why? There is no right answer for this yeah, one. This is terrible. There actually is. There is if you not. say country, I will cut you. Get country out of here. 
I'm good. I don't need I don't need to ever listen to another song about dirt roads ever again. What the? F- I'm good. I'm good. You are. We've got other genres the worst. that do drinking and breakups and dirt roads a little better. What's oh, that so genre? Just, yeah, no. Yeah, every, every, other, every other one. Just for that, <laughs> hip hop's got to go. Yeah, hip hop's oh, out of here. Out yep. here. Hip hop's out of here. Yep. Stop it. That's if terrible. I, uh, I can hear about oh, you know all sorts of the things that they talk about. I'm tired of hearing about that too. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service sex line for one's got to go. One got to go barbecue meat edition. Are you going? Memphis ribs. Texas brisket, Carolina pulled pork, or Kansas City burn-ins. One's got to go barbecue meat edition. Memphis ribs, Texas brisket, Carolina pulled pork, or KC burn-ins. Ferrario, we'll start with you Carolina pulled pork's got to go for me on this one. That's a tough decision because I am a huge pulled pork kind of guy. But the ribs, when you go Memphis ribs, you can't touch that Texas brisket. And then when you throw in Kansas City burnt-ins, that might be number one on my power rankings. It's not an easy decision, but pulled pork's got to go. Yeah, I'm with you, Ferrario. Carolina knows how to pull pork, but they're got to go true. for me. Surprised that we all agree on something. That's what she said. I don't know that this has ever happened in the history of this segment. Frankly, in the history of this show. But we all agree that Carolina pulled pork. And by the way, their nasty ass sauce also can get wow. all the way up wow. out of here. Why, why do wow. you hate Carolina? Why are you picking extra fights? Hey, Carolinas, BK hates you. Carolina barbecue in general can I get all the way up out of here. Huh? What? 65780 is your comfort service sex line for one gotta go. Last one that we've got here for you guys today. One gotta go. Platform edition. Gaming edition. Xbox 360, the original PlayStation, N64, or the Game Boy. Rivers doesn't know because usually all of them, he's he's a little inebriated to where he doesn't remember playing. <laughs> I know I'm not getting rid of the PS4 because we had fun there not too long ago. <laughs> Call Xbox of Duty remembers 360, it. original PlayStation, Nintendo 64, or the Game Boy. Which one's got to go? Easy. I lived all of these. Game Boy, you got to go. You were just, you were junk. Game Boy really? was junk. I mean, compared to these other ones, Xbox 360. 360 was kind of cutting edge. PlayStation, that was awesome. N64, uh, oh. I'm on the fence, but Game Boy, you get the little thing, the graphics, you gotta go. Game N64 Boy. is like number one for me. Like, you can't yes. touch that. For I still have mine for how incredible that system is. Xbox has gotta go. I've always wanted to go to Bush Stadium and play N64 Mario Kart? Or, or, yeah, on, on the big screen. Didn't the Royals do be that? Incredible. I yeah. thought the players did that for... It'd be incredible to yeah. be able to do that. Xbox has to go to me. This may sound Xbox. There's too many controllers too weird. No more Halo? No, no more Halo. The PlayStation's almost the same thing. No, it's not. Crash almost Bandicoot. Identical. Simple. Did you guys ever play Crash Bandicoot? Yeah, back you can in do the that day? on PlayStation. That's what I'm saying. That's oh, why yeah, I, I can't keep it PlayStation. PlayStation. Yeah. No, yeah. No. Xbox has got to go. Game Boy beat it. Again? Game Boy's Tetris and Mario. Yeah. You can play those on your N64. Different Mario. By the way, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line from the 314. PS2 is literally the best selling system ever sold, but you chose the original PlayStation. I got it from a text, all right, sir? <laughs> Come on. Probably the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> he set you up. <laughs> I'm going with the Xbox 360 as well. I'm oh agreeing God. with Ferrario. A couple of texts to react to. Not a fan about here. that one. From the 509, just because country songs sing about things that BK doesn't know how to do, that does not mean that he has to get rid of it. Examples, hunting, fishing, changing tires, etc. That's really good. That is a great text, sir or madam. 
from the 618. BK, you seem to get mad every time this segment is on. Please just quit from the station. Whoa, wow. whoa, that's whoa. a little unnecessary. Signed, Escalated in a way that I was not prepared for. Stolter's oh. right over here. Who he, said that? I know. I just watched he him. He likes me. He loves you. We're friends, right? We're friends. You think? Friends. He's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll cross things over with the fast lane coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. in the show so we know we know what just happened in the last segment jamie we're here we understand what Do the context know? is for what for some of these texts that are coming in oh yeah good point six five seven eight oh is the air comfort service text line meanwhile anthony stalter comes in studio <laughs> for the crossover happy to have him in and he looks at the text line. He's like, boys, the hell were you talking about in the last segment? I see country music. I see Carolina barbecue sauce. And I see Game Boy. Yes. Did, did you guys ever, did you ever see, oh, man, uh, Black Sheep? With, oh with, God, uh, yes. Chris yeah. Farley? Second so, best David movie. Spade. Do you remember when he calls, he's making all the calls for his brother because he's he's doing the campaign for his brother and he <laughs> yeah. call, reaches out to somebody and he's like, uh, he's like, hey, he's like, this is blah, blah, blah. blah. You know, my brother's got a dream. In fact, I had quite a doozy there last night. Get this. Whips, chains, automobiles, bicycles, circles, and a duck. Like, he goes through this whole thing. That's what I feel like I just read on the text line. This is why I love you, Stoltz, because you can just randomly quote some type of movie, and that is incredible. My grandmother going by on a tricycle giving me the finger... And, and he could it too, but he sells it so good. Yeah, I did. I, I totally had. I don't to even know. I don't. You sold it funny. so good. I believe it. Yeah, I'm buying whips, train chains. Go ahead. Uh, so, trains, Stoltz, how you doing, trains. bud? Yeah, good. Really good. How are you guys? I guess no, is not the great. question. <laughs> you know, I see. I see everybody. I mean, BK. I see more love for you on the text line than I have in because two months. because Jamie, Jamie just brought one of the worst takes uh, ever no, to the radio. I got rid of Game Boy. Somebody said, "Oh, it's the only portable. What? I can carry a TV." What, you can't walk around the TV and play PlayStation? I like this. One's got to go. <laughs> Xbox 2, PlayStation 3, Brandon, Kylie, or yeah. computer. Yeah, I, oh, I, boy. I get rid of the computer. Thanks, man. That's really nice of you. <laughs> Kylie Born. got rid of country music. Well, yeah, because country music's Over not rock, good. No. hip-hop. Rock, hip-hop, and pop, and pop. country. You got rid of country. And rock, hip-hop, pop, and pop's got to go. No. But then you get rid of Michael Jackson. Well, I think that'd be well. Good the human's great, but the music—that's <laughs> what I said. But it's the music's phenomenal. A human being, but can we keep the music? Yeah. But the music's phenomenal. Uh, we don't need the human. Madonna. So the reason we brought all this up is because Your the favorite? weekend. Uh, Taylor Spears. Swift. Britney. Oh, Britney. So the weekend Anson. is going to be <laughs> hosting the halftime performance at the Super Bowl this year, Stoltz. And Oof. knowing you, that's kind of the, that's <laughs> kind of the uh, response I was the expecting. The weekend? Yeah. W-E-K-N-D. Is no he e. or she a rapper? He is hip-hop-ish. Okay. You sound older than me you right now. sound like now. me when Name I said a, bone thugs. <laughs> Name a song that the weekend uh, Sings. That's what like I said. Blinding Light. Yeah. Saturday. Yeah. And there's another one he sings with Justin Bieber. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's not The bad. kids play it. I like it. It's he, fine. He's pretty good. I don't he's think no you headliner, I, though, Stoltz. Yeah. I don't think you'd be a big fan. Okay. Who, probably, would you, like, who would be the performance that you would like to see as the halftime show? Basically, one that would also appeal to the masses. 
Like one of those deals? Because for well, me, yeah, like Alice in Chains probably isn't going right, to be doing right. a halftime show. And their lead singer. Lane I think they Staley should go with uh, no J-Lo with and Shakira. Oh, man. Ribs. I am so out of touch music-wise. I can't. I don't even know who would be. Ribs, delete that I mean, up is, Just, is Justin hmm? Timberlake still pretty popular? Oh, he's already he like Stoltz. He's an actor now, Stoltz. Oh, okay. oh, he's still a singer? Well, uh, you stop that slander. Katy Perry. She oh, did yeah. It too. Oh. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> we'll do Katy Perry again. <laughs> I'm fine with that. What? You, what happened? That's what she said. Uh, I still think Nicki Minaj should do it at some point, but I don't think the league's going to be down for that. Sure. I feel sure. like that would go poorly. I'm so out of touch when it comes to music. I've just, I'll just admit it. We, Kristen and I were watching. Was it like one of the country music? CMA Awards? CMA yeah, Awards. I watched it too. She goes, she goes, oh my god, this song is on. Every single time I get in the car, the song's on. I go, first of all, why isn't 101 ESPN on? Every Seriously, single time you get in your good car. Question. That's She's number one. To two. Number two. <laughs> I've never heard this song, not once in my life. And that's how it was all night. She goes, you've never heard this one? You've never heard this one? No. What, so what do you listen to then? Do you go podcasts? Do you go listen, other than 101 ESPN? I listen to BK and Ribs. Of course. I of course. love, I will say this, just before before you finish this, uh, cool. this answer. Well, I didn't want to know what the answer was. I love that Stalter is probably the only person that always refers to our show as BK and Ribs. I, I always appreciate that about him. Well, it's only because you cried and had to have BK in big letters. Was that I, I will always say that I appreciate that about you. He so held his I, breath and banged his head on the wall. Well, when I open up the 101 ESPN podcast or streaming live, that's I mean, all, all you see is the BK. the BK. I don't even know where the Rivs is. Exactly. In the logo. Uh, but anyways, yeah, then I then I go over to Sirius. Got, got a streamline of Sirius. Got ESPN Radio. Got Fox Radio. How long is you got your Veasan Radio? You, Why you in Chicago? Get, no, I just keep popping around. You can't Veasan. really can't really enjoy the radio so then if you, you're popping around so do much. Do you listen to music? No, not typically. I don't listen to much music either anymore. I used to, but I don't to, know if I can trust I, you anymore. <laughs> for some reason, I've been on a. Do you guys remember the night the '90s group POD? Hell yeah! yeah I've been yeah. on like a POD kick lately. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. That makes I a lot of sense. I walked into Donnie Fandango, and I'm like, I'm feeling like I want to hear Alive by yeah. POD. Yeah. He was like, all right. Here comes you gotta check out the song. You got to check out the song, The Messiah. I or, no, I'm sorry, one. The Messenger. The, the last messenger. time that I the heard messenger. That song, I mean, it. I, I was, anybody saw me driving down the highway whenever it was. I mean, it's you got fast. a show. The last time fast. that you I'm recommended a song to me, Stalt, it, it, it wasn't what I was anticipating. BK, was, you and I are was, polar opposites when it comes to songs. Wasn't it like that? I don't remember if it was Asian or African, like oh, metal. Yeah, I played, <laughs> I played it for Jamie too. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. I thought he was joking, dude. Mike McKenna. I thought he was joking. I was like, wait, I'm like waiting. Mike McKenna is into Swedish death metal music. Yeah, the former guy NHL goalie's from St. Louis. He's on the radio a lot. He's into like Swedish death metal music. He's, he loves the death metal, but it's Swedish. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that Swedish was a thing. People, I, I feel like I didn't think they would were get, so get along with them pretty well. I, I don't really. Might. I don't love the whole. I don't. Uh, don't scream into the microphone the entire time. If you do it a <laughs> little bit, the time. Time. all the time is fine. But I basically like music that's going to punch me right in the throat. It sounds Ooh, right. Right. Or the, or <laughs> the no, you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, wow. just punch me. Just just punch me right in the face. I, it's suddenly like, okay, I like, I like you this again, song. Actually, yeah. you're back. I trust somebody, you again. Somebody just texted. Now we know Stalter has become a boomer. Oh, that's bad. When Is you're the bad? boomer in here, when I'm in the room, that's yeah. bad. Does that mean old? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The kids. Oh, okay. At least boomer. you didn't say that's, that the Game Boy sucked. Did, right? did you miss that whole movement? The OK Boomer thing. No. Yes, I did. The baby boomer, yes. <laughs> Stalt, what's coming up today? Boomer sooner. 
Boomer Esiason. I know, what, I, know what, I know who Boomer Esiason is. Yeah. Oh, is that Chris old? Berman? He's uh, a no. lefty. Yeah, we're going to talk to uh, Danny Mack. We're going to talk plenty of, uh, so I said that Yadier Molina likely to sign with the Yankees. That probably did not go over well last <laughs> night because old meat posted all over social media. So They weren't happy with you, I'm but sure I think they you're right. right. I'm sure they weren't. We First of all, it's just, a prediction. it's just a prediction. Here's okay? something we threw out today. What about the Cardinals trading for Sanchez and Yadi signs with the Yankees? Bring, bring him over. I don't know if you guys know this. Cardinals need some offense. Huh? What? There yeah. are rumors oh, yeah. of yeah. that. There yeah. are check, indeed rumors of check that. Check the ch- what? Go to Fangraphs right now. Check out some of their numbers. Plus, we'll do some NFL predictions. We're up Ooh. three. We're up three points now on Riz. I'm sorry about last. Do night. you know why? Well, some of us picked the Colts. Yeah, some I, of us picked the smoke and mirrors. I picked the Colts, and then Meat and Ronge, To their credit, they had the Titans, but I talked them into the Colts. They trusted me. They took the Colts. So we're up three points now going into the weekend on the Riz Show. Do you see the start. Rams are favored this weekend against the Seahawks? I love the Seahawks. <sighs> I love Don't love give that. Me, give me Russ off a loss. Give Why? me Russell Wilson off a loss every single time. Why are the Rams favored, though? Do you, Why? Do you Why? know what happened when Russ lost a couple of weeks ago to the Cardinals? Remember that Sunday night game? Yeah. You know what happened the next week? Yeah, they won. They crushed the 49ers. Like four touchdowns or something? Crushed them. Yeah. Good QBs off losses, gentlemen. For Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Fast Lane is coming up next. We'll be back on Monday at 11 o'clock right here on 101 ESPN. Mmm. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.